swords with handle art to spar trolls and charge tolls to cross roads where bandits are. Catacombs and giant doors protect the chests and stores and legendary items with the dragon bones and iron It's ore. a grand theft of Elder Scrolls, Simon's quest with Toe and Earl, rocket shoes to every crew, Easter eggs and gaming news. The POTUS need some bad dudes to crash a crew like Bandicoot. All shit and gaming and glitch control issues. Control issues. Yes, yes, y'all. Yes, y'all. Yes, y'all. Well, this is Control Issues. I am the AMC. And this is a dub. You can find us at control issues.com. Uh, you can also go to your podcast provider, whoever that may be. Look for Control Issues, download it, subscribe to it, rate it, review it. Uh, head on over to Twitter. My control issues is the handle and do yourself a favor. Pop on over to twitch.tv slash control issues pod, where we put up gameplay videos for your viewing pleasure. AMC, are you warm right now? Uh, yeah, I got my sweater. I got my sweats on. I am trying to stay all types of warm because LA is frigid and by frigid i mean like cold and damp yeah. <laughs> and hey, then, you know me i love me some rain but it is a little excessive <laughs> but like like the rain and then just that wind <laughs> is uh we went for a walk today and just saw our neighbor's fence is pretty much like hanging on its side and then oh, we wow. saw like we saw like a bunch of plants just like blown out of their pots <laughs> like, oh, on the ground yeah it's like the wind just like I like I feel like we've gotten like crazy wind before. And I did see like on the weather app there was like some advisory stuff going on with the wind. But to actually see the aftermath and you know, when you're hearing it at night and like it's just chaos, it sounds crazy, but then once you see the aftermath of it in a in a in a state that doesn't have hurricanes or tornadoes or anything like that, um, just to see what little a bigger gust of wind than what we're expecting can do is a pretty, pretty revealing. I mean, yeah. be prepared, be prepared. Not just earthquakes can knock your shit over. Um, so yeah, that walking, was a thing. Were you walking sideways? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> now we weren't walking against the wind. The wind had already passed by that point. Okay. Uh, but yeah, uh, other than that, yeah, two weeks off. A lot's, a lot's kind of happened since then. Um, gaming wise, but we'll get to that later. But yeah, you know, um, didn't watch Super Bowl. Never been my thing. Um, I believe we, we, went, we went for a walk during it because we knew there'd be less people out walking. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we took the we took the time. So it was like it's either you go to you go out to eat or you go and do something where you would assume that normally people would be clogging up what you do. They're all inside watching the game. The so streets we, are ours. <laughs> yeah, so we took advantage of that. As I mentioned to you, I had my Apple Watch, so I've been I've been getting in my my activities. I've been trying to close my ring, so anytime there's a walk, I'm like, hell yeah, get my steps in. <laughs> do all that shit yeah um yeah enjoying that that part of my life it was something that i was holding off on for a while and then eventually i was like you know what Uh, i got the money i could get this hit up a dub got the recommendation next thing you know i'm rocking i'm rocking a watch a smart watch you get that series eight yeah i got the eight i considered the ultra jealous (laughs) yeah i considered the ultra but um 
from what I read, it was it actually got like a lower review on like the the sites that I was looking at, even though it's. But the big thing was it was the price of two watches to get the ultra, mm-hmm. and so the the compromise was I went with the um the forty five millimeter uh, series eight, so the bigger screen on the eight. Of um, course. And then, because Marissa said she she's gonna want one, so I was like, well, am I really gonna buy two watches for myself and then? <laughs> buy her watch <laughs> uh so yeah i got the eight loving the eight it's uh it's good um yeah it's a it's I'm, I'm loving it i'm i'm happy that i held off but at the same time like once i got it i was like damn i was missing out on this <laughs> so it's it's cool it's great um highly recommend it for anybody that's holding off on getting a smart watch apple watch you know what took me by surprise ever since i've been wearing a watch like if if you were still boxing like, dude, you will put in miles, like thousands of steps, just going through an hour of boxing. Oh, I didn't even think about that. You see, so you wear it when you go to when you go to the gym. Yeah, wow. and I think it, it probably has more to do with the the number of punches you're throwing that is probably interpreting as you swinging your arms yeah, to walk. Because yeah. I'm pretty sure it's definitely not me just you know t- tiptoeing around the bag. <laughs> yeah, no, because I uh... miles. I think I'd heard from somebody else. This is their Fitbit. Uh, keep that in mind. But uh, uh, it was a, a Marissa's friend, uh, another mom, and she was saying something along the lines of like, when she was pushing the stroller, it wasn't registering because, mm-hmm. as which as you're saying, like you're not moving your arms, so it wasn't registering like those uh, steps or whatever, <laughs> or like giving her credit for them. So definitely, like it's there's definitely some like um, motion mechanic that is picking up on to then I guess add to your your total output yeah um, it's it's the arm swinging so I'll, I'll give you a couple more look and you know sorry to jump in on your audio session but but now that you know yeah now that you know like it's mm-hmm. so some little quirks so like when the the motion that attracts is your arm swinging and mm-hmm. it it doesn't matter what your orientation is it doesn't matter if you're actually walking <laughs> as long as your arm is moving it's picking that up as you walk in at the same token, if you're not doing that, it doesn't really pick it up. Like it'll tell me to stand up and I'll be like, okay, I'll take a bathroom break or I'll go to the kitchen and like, you know, just do some stuff, like get a glass of water or something. Won't pick it up because my arms aren't moving. But if I just walk around the couch a couple of times and like swing my arm, mm-hmm. picks it up. And also if you swing your arm fast, it, it picks it up it'll give you the minute for less than a minute. Like there are sometimes it'll be like, you know, 15, 20 seconds into like the 59th minute of an hour. And I'm like, uh, let me swing my arm real fast. <laughs> I swing my arm fast. I'll get the crane. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's good to know. Cause you know, I like to close that ring and it might be 1159 and I just need that one, that one hour. Yeah. Uh, gotta, gotta get that minute. <laughs> okay. You know, yeah, that's good stuff. to know. It's yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'll definitely keep that in mind. Because <laughs> uh, you swing your arm for no reason. I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, we're like, what you doing? I'm like, mm, don't worry about it. That's <laughs> um, right. Yeah. Uh, other than that, um, co-worker told me to, uh, oh, not told me to, he, you know, there was a Super Bowl ton of trailers, and one of the things that was announced was a, uh, the Marvel's movie, um, where it's uh, what was it Captain Marvel, 
the other Marvel and then Ms. Marvel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's the three Marvels. They're getting a movie together. And I've been holding off on watching Ms. Marvel, the, the series. Oh, so yeah, I was I like, yeah. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to check this out. Because, you know, it's just like it's it's in around teenagers. So it's a, it's a different vibe from like the other Marvel like TV shows. Um, but watched it. And so far, I'm, I'm loving it. It's absolutely great. Uh, we're three it's episodes so in. Cute, you say? <laughs> it's so cute. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's a. I mean, yeah, it's like it's like a high school, like high school series, but like with a, but from the slant of Marvel, and uh, it's it's good. It's not like too kiddie, but uh, it's like enjoyable. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying that. Uh, and yeah, life has been good. A Dub, how you been? Have you seen the episode? Have you seen the episode so far where she wanted to go to the comic book convention? Yeah, the uh, the Avengers one. Yeah. Avengers Con or whatever. And then she and then her mom was like, You can go, but you gotta go with your dad. It, me and Marissa were like, why is why is she hating? Like, like her yeah. mom put in the work. Like I get it if she didn't want to be the Hulk, but like I was like, I wasn't I wasn't upset with it. And like I get it, maybe it's a, a teenager thing, but like yeah, like both of us have been to cons together and the one thing I'll say is that is the most judgment-free zone. So you can literally go as whatever you want and people mm-hmm. will be down with it. So it's kind of funny, like the idea that she would be like put off, like, oh, people are gonna people are gonna judge me in that outfit. It's like, nah. <laughs> as a man and as a father, how did you feel when she basically broke her father's heart? Yeah, it was uh, I think that's why I took it. I took the I took the side of her parents and that's <laughs> Dude, I was so sad. Look at her. Like, he really, he was really excited and really enthusiastic about it. And she just crushed skin. him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh man. Yeah, uh, she was definitely hating. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah she, good. I'm she's got great man. parents. Yeah. Um, but yeah, how you been, man? You went on, you went on a trip. Tell me about it. We haven't really gotten to talk about it. How was, how was, how the last two weeks been for you? It went on the trip. Your boy, a dub hopping on a flight to Oakland for a weekend. Went to go visit your boy. Bringing back the classics. And yeah, it was a good time. Uh, Pat was there. Yes. And we're, I, I don't know if you know any of the homies like, Pat, Pat was there. Oh. There's a, a lot of people from uh, the wedding. Were they all like them? That crew? Uh, I don't remember. Oh, you don't remember? Okay. I'll I'm, I'm a terrible friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Pat was there. You know, we had a good time. The Airbnb was amazing. We had nice. an unbelievable view yes. of Oakland. Like there were trees. First of all, Oakland is gorgeous. Like I used to live in an area in LA called Silver Lake. And mm-hmm. I really, I really liked it out there. It looked like pretty much most of Oakland was all Silver Lake. <laughs> yeah, just, okay. Nice. It was just trees and green everywhere. The homes looked nice, nice cafes and restaurants and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the Costco was, you know, it's just straight up Costco, big ass cement box building. But at at the entrance, like look as you're exiting or like when you're looking out from the entrance. It's just this gorgeous body of water with a bridge in the background. I can see the Golden Gate Bridge in the distance. Mm. Uh, we we got on a party bus, went to Sonoma, did some yeah. wine, did some yeah. wine tasting, did some spirit <laughs> tasting. Uh, saw saw San Quentin on the way there, off in the distance. Yeah. That was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, having a good time, eating good food. I think uh, we went in the downtown area, went to a couple of bars, poking around, gorgeous ladies. And you know what? Like, gorgeous in the sense of they all seem like regular people. And, you know, as opposed to the the L.A. kind of scene where it's just kind of bad bitch central, you know, forgive my derogatory <laughs> derogatory term there. But, you 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 know, the vibe where it's like, you know, the normal girls who dress up and like go out to have a good time versus the girls who are like basically putting on a show kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, so, it's the it's the gift and curse of L.A. is the hottest girl in in your city there's about 20 of them in la yeah. <laughs> any given moment just walking the street and they all know it and yeah, they all yeah. carry themselves in that <laughs> yeah. manner which makes it like uh. yeah it's like they but, all they all came here for them for that reason <laughs> yeah. but like it looked to me oakland if i could summarize it was kind of like all the best parts of la with very few if any of the bad parts like, I, I definitely well, didn't see that, anybody that sleeping on the trees there's yeah. the crime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they just literally told us that you, you got to leave your door unlocked <laughs> on the street. <laughs> it's gonna get right, every <laughs> everywhere we went. He was like, "Yeah, just uh, bring your bag inside. <laughs> Don't yeah. leave anything in the car." <laughs> Like on nice streets in nice quiet neighborhoods, don't leave anything in the car. Yeah, it's (laughs) it's, this is real. (laughs) It's the thing about like city living, and I guess it's like anywhere in life. But like, you got to know how to move. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You can't you can't show up and just think that that city is going to operate the same way that your city operated. (laughs) You will be a target. (laughs) But yeah, it was a it was a good time. Uh, We did the wine tasting, had the dope Airbnb, uh, played epic matches of beer pong missed having my my other half of the philosophers there but i I was holding it down my accuracy still got it (laughs) i was just sinking clutch shots winning games having a blast so yeah man really really had a good time doom gaze floated the idea of doing new artwork for the podcast to remove himself and i was like Shut that shit up. Know, yeah. <laughs> you are part of control issues. You were there since the beginning. You stay in there. Yeah, the that's, that's, that's legacy shit. <laughs> exactly. If you know, you know. That's for, that's for the day ones. And if you don't know, now you know. This is for my day ones. <laughs> yeah. Did all that, you know, came back. It, it was, you know, it was nice to just have that freedom and that experience of, all right, let me just get a flight fly a little bit go see the homie take a nap <laughs> yeah what i like about it is like just that idea of an adult like grown man trip <laughs> it was like you know like we we did all the all the younger ones but then like to do one as a bunch of like grown-ass adults and to see like what that would be like that's awesome yeah. and finally met his daughter got to meet fern she oh, was a little okay. she was a little standoffish at first but after a few minutes she warmed up to you boy I showered her with love, let her know that it's real, that I got her back, that I'm going to be there for her when she needs me. <laughs> so that was good. Forged that relationship. Got to see Kalia again. Got to see L'Oreal. She was up there. Mia lives out there. So they they came to the Airbnb a couple times and just saying what's up, checking on things. <laughs> Make sure to check on Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Where are the prostitutes? <laughs> Looking under the beds. <laughs> brought us a bag of edibles. Oh. It, yeah. The, the Airbnb owner lived next door. She was cool as hell, had a spiritual gangster sweater on. So <laughs> just vibe. One of the bathrooms had wallpaper on it that had like uh, 
well-known Oakland like people, celebrities, personalities on it. It had like Joe Montana. Matt Dre. It had Matt Dre. <laughs> also had two shorts. It's yeah, like it in an Airbnb on the wallpaper. It's like beautiful, easily multi-million dollar home. It, man, That's awesome. Yeah, it was a good time. It's nice to get out and do stuff like that. Uh, beyond that, just been knocking down anime like it's nobody's business. I'm current on the what they did with Trigun Stampede. I think that is mm-hmm. a very a very faithful reinterpretation of the Trigun story. It's kind of that um, 3D animated situation going on, but I think it's one of the best versions of it that I've seen. It really captures the the tone and the the seriousness of Trigun with not as much of the silliness, but the silliness is still there because you, you man Stan P, he got to keep people with a smile on his face, the people's champ. Uh, let me see. I have watched both seasons of that time. I got reincarnated as a slime and that is easily one of my favorite anime. It holds a special place in my heart. Mm-hmm. An unbelievable amount of characters at any given time. <laughs> and everybody gets screen time. Like everybody has a role. Everybody's involved with everything that's going on. It, like even even like the little dudes who in in normal cartoons, like the Krillins, basically, who would eventually be rendered completely just irrelevant I'll and just show yeah, just show up <laughs> to be on the screen and be like, "Hey, I'm still alive." Yeah. But even like those kind of characters actually are integral. Like there's this one character by the name of Gopta. He's a little goblin, a goblin wolf rider. And at first he, you know, he was just a little goblin, like, okay, nobody's going to think much of him, but ends up just leveling up, gaining skills, training with a, with a sword master becomes the captain of the wolf riders and always just shows up in a pinch, even though he's not the guy who finishes people off. He gives them a little a little run for their money. Like, oh, you're pretty strong for a goblin. Yeah, I'm pretty strong. But in his head, he's like, holy shit, I almost died. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that that's awesome. Uh, caught up on My Hero Academia. They put out two new episodes dubbed Damn. this weekend. And it we're we're getting there. We are getting there. <laughs> like it's yeah. it's starting now. The real yeah. shit is starting. And it's like I'm not going to spoil anything, but dude, the the last episode, holy shit. I watched it like I watched it multiple times because I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. So yes. you, I, I'm looking forward to what you got to say about that. And just now I started up in anime Rise of Rise of the Shield Hero or something like that. And it's basically about how these random people get sucked into this fantasy world that's kind of like a video game like they have all the video game stuff everything you gotta get items and level talk to merchants and the premise is that they summon these heroes and there's a sword hero a bow hero a spear hero and the shield hero and the 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 caveat there is that the shield hero is just kind of a joke to everybody and like they treat all the other heroes with the utmost respect and dignity and they just keep shitting all over the shield hero. Mm. But the guy who's a shield hero, he's just, he's finding a way to make it all work. He's learning about his shield. He's just being a good dude. He's playing 
he's playing the game. Like he's playing it like it's a game. He's helping out the people. He's going on quests, exploring dungeons, doing the right thing, standing up against all the bullshit that's coming his way and just continually proving people wrong after they just completely shat all over him. So I'm loving it. Beautifully animated. Very, very good show. Highly recommend it. Uh, beyond that, working, trying to stay warm. Got this finicky-ass heater that I got to get to work mm-hmm. in this apartment, but it's no big deal. That's part of the trials and tribulations of life, and that's about that for me. All right, well, let's get into what people are here for. Let's talk about some video games they dub. So what you've been playing on these past two weeks? What have I been playing on? Well, if you go on twitch.tv slash control issues pod, you can see some gameplay videos of your boy A-Dub Utterly just floundering in Gran Turismo 7. <laughs> like uh, with racing games, especially with the Gran Turismo, because it behaves in the manner that I enjoy the most, I found myself behind the wheel of, of, of an AMG Mercedes GT 2015. You know, pretty cool car. There was a guy when I used to live in Silver Lake and I used to go to Thirsty Crawl all the time. There was this guy who always drove just these crazy cars, Russian guy that owns a dispensary, always has these crazy cars. One day he shows up in this Benz I've never seen before. And it was, it just looked perfect. Just pristine body, perfectly proportioned, beautiful rims, monstrous engine. And then my, my goal since then was like, all right, next driving game that comes out, I'm rolling that car. So I got two. I got a 2015 and a 2017. I'm rolling the 2015 because it, it doesn't have a big obnoxious spoiler on it. And I'm in this race. I have tuned this car dozens of different ways. I have purchased virtually every part that's available for this car. I have swapped everything I can. I've done, I've reduced the weight of the body. I done everything except modify the engine itself because it's pretty pricey to get a new engine and start from scratch. I like to preserve the character of the car as much as possible without doing things that are going to make it, you know, spin the back tires too fast and just become unwieldy. Doing this race, I've basically, basically mastered this track with the amount of times I've run this race. I can never do better than second place. I can never do better than two seconds behind the lead car and it's always this goddamn lamborghini it has the most unreal acceleration i've ever seen you just can't catch it it's gotten to the point where i know what's happening in the race based on where the lamborghini is in the lineup if it's somewhere in the middle of the pack i'll know because as i'm driving my the time to reach first place will keep dropping tremendously as I'm rolling. It'll come down by like a tenth of a second or more every second. It's just like, I'm catching up. I'm catching up. If I take a good turn, a full second will come up. I'm catching up. I'm catching up. If I make a mistake and get rolling again, like it, I won't lose any time. It's just, it'll slow down with the increment that I'm decreasing the time. If the Lamborghini's in front of the pack, it, the time to first place slowly increases every second. If I mess up in a turn, it'll add probably a half second or a whole second to my time. And I'm just like, oh, yep, it's in first place. I need to restart. And it it's just become this thing where I'm not even trying to necessarily win the race. I'm just trying to get ahead of the Lamborghini so that I have a chance 
to win the race. <laughs> it's like, you know, I normally take first place in all the races after I master the course and find the right tune for my car. But this is the one it's world touring car 600 in, um, in the Asia region. And I forget what track it's on something expressway, but it's, it's being talked about online or it has been talked about online. You know, some people have found a way around it. Just get a car that has excellent handling and acceleration as a baseline instead of trying to tune a car to have attributes that it normally doesn't. So to get the gold, I'll probably end up doing that. I really want to be stubborn and try to make this Mercedes perform the way that I want it to. Uh, but, you know, having fun doing my daily workout, getting my roulette tickets, building up my cash finishing off these extra menus by increasing my car collection so I can get additional bonuses. Tried out the the Sophie AI and the race together event that's only available for a limited time and had a had a, a pretty good time with that. I haven't played on the highest level. I've played beginner and intermediate. But in doing that, like that AI, it, it's not like racing in the regular game because the AI it drives a little defensively. It won't let you bully your way through a turn. And when I say bully, like I'm not trying to bump the cars out of the way. It's just that if I see a little, a small enough gap, I'm going to try to squeeze through it, but it'll close down on that gap. Like, nope, go the other way. So it'll take the long way. <laughs> it's like, okay. If you try to pass, it'll, it'll move over. It'll, it'll try to stop you. But eventually, you wiggle your way around everything you get away. And as you increase the difficulty, it decreases the tune of the car that you're using. So you're not choosing your car. It gives you a, it gives you a predetermined car with a predetermined tune. And it's like, okay, use this car to overcome these AI. So basically as the tune goes down, it makes it more difficult to beat the cars. However, your boy uh, got the driving skills to pay the driving bills. And I get things done. So eventually I'm going to take on the higher challenges and do that the right way. Other than that, I've been playing Overwatch 2. Had a game, got 50 eliminations last night. People blowing up in the chat. Never seen that many eliminations. Like, yeah, you never played with me. So <laughs> playing with East Single, uh, AMC, East Single, and A-Dub. Got the, got the trio together. Uh, my brother and I have remarked that it is a hugely noticeable difference in the different the different levels that we get to like if it's just us individually sure we'll have a good time we'll play games we'll get some wins we'll get some losses if two of us get together suddenly a lot more wins suddenly having a much good a much better time when all three of us are together it's just stomp city it's it's j town stomp city it's, it's going down so yeah, i like I that i sent you the text saying that we're seven straight wins competitive so far <laughs> that's nuts yeah i completely like, forgot that we came off of that season two four game winning streak yeah like i because i told marissa i was like oh yeah we won three straight last night she's like did you guys win like four straight the other time and i was like I think we did. And then I actually looked back at my journal. <laughs> I, I, I remember. You keep writing. a journal. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. You do keep a journal. Yeah. And I looked back and I saw like right there, four straight wins was like part of my 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 highlight slash gratitude. <laughs> four <laughs> straight like, wins. Whatever. Fried chicken breast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, damn. All right. <laughs> 
Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I like that they, and they changed it to now instead of seven wins, 20 losses, it's five wins, 15 losses for your rank changes. So, you know, if we get into a good groove and get a decent session on a given night, might see more of our ranks, might see those ranks improving. Maybe a dub can get higher than Silver Four on the DPS. I don't know. We'll see what's going on. Did I pop on anything else? There was Anomutationum. I've been playing that and just chipping away at it. There was another... Oh, I, I got a little taste of Ali Ali World. And, you know, it's it's cute as hell. And it's pretty fun. It's very... So far, it's a very simple game. I'm basically going through what's the tutorial island or the tutorial stages on the first island. Getting my unlockables, just hitting those achievements. Simple controls, it's gradually increasing more mechanics and little things that I need to watch for. But, you know, I I don't intend to put too much time into that anytime soon. I just wanted to get a taste. I really love the art style and just the overall carefree, fun vibe and aesthetic of the game. So that was enjoyable for me. But AMC, what have you been playing? I'm playing a couple games now. Um, I'll lead with uh, Overwatch, you know, Still continues to be an awesome game. We're in season three now. Mm-hmm. Um, I missed a week, and that was like a week of just like hell as far as work went. So I, I wasn't really gaming on much during that time period. So I missed the uh, the opening of season two. Hop back in, I believe, last week or or this week, maybe I don't know what it was. Um, and started playing then, and yeah, I just picked up right where I left off. Game is still awesome. Um, Enjoy the new skins that they have there. As you mentioned, we've been handling business on competitive. I'm liking the rework, the reworkings of some of the characters. I know we didn't really get to get into that um, while we were out, but um, really trying to uh, play a little bit more of Mercy after they reworked her to see how I'm liking her. And there's definitely a huge difference when it comes to that that critical healing. Like I'm, I'm getting the uh, like you'll see this with uh, support characters is if you do a certain move or whatever. Um, you'll see that saved like this teammate flash on the top of your screen oh. and uh and so with mercy if i have that he- that critical heal on them I'll, I'll almost no doubt see the the saved like you just saved so and so because normally they would have died but because they had that healing beam on them and kept them in the game yes so, um yeah noticing that there um and uh yeah uh, enjoying her but still mainly focusing on lucio lucio has been like my guy for about two weeks now just really um after playing mercy and then playing baptiste and then playing mora and then going back to lucio i got a little bit better with his aim and because of that landing like like three like landing those three um those three burst fire blasts like pretty consecutively instead of like just one off every like you know doing that burst fire but only hitting like one of the shots um hitting all three as i'm getting better at lining up the shots with him and then just his healing is just uh awesome and now with the uh you know with the with the latest patch they slightly lowered um the time it takes for him to get his ultimate so I, i'm seeing those pop a little more often so really enjoying that aspect uh from the support standpoint playing a little bit more of the other characters I told you had has some fun with sigma playing with some other ones but yeah mainly still focusing on support roles uh as far as other games go uh didn't get into this i beat astro chain that was absolutely amazing <laughs> that um that game just continued to 
get better like it was one of those ones where i was like i want to beat this so i can move on to the next game just because i had so many games in the backlog but as i'm playing it every time i'm just like damn like this game is like i don't want to like i need to slow my roll with this one and appreciate it because i am playing it and it is awesome the way that they have the what should be the downtime so the way the game works as far as like the loop is you do your stuff where you're fighting um you're you're working your way up to the big fight and it's like a fight after fight and then you get to like whatever the boss is and maybe through that like you'll get a um a new legion which are those um those support characters that fight alongside you or um you know you'll fight the big boss fight and progress the story but then after that usually there's a little bit of downtime where you're at like the hq or you're in a city doing an investigation and through that during that time you're not really doing as much action but what i did notice is in the later content of the game a lot of the side quests usually ended up with you going and fighting um as they refer to them the the chimeras going and fighting the chimeras in order to complete a side quest so the action kind of just continues even though you're in the quote-unquote downtime segment of the game um so yeah just had an awesome gameplay loop towards the end you have all the different legions all the legions serve a different purpose so when you're in that downtime like i had the beast legion he has an ability to track like um like if you get like a a side quest to track somebody down you find like a piece of evidence that has their scent on it you can feed it to the you could have the beast legion smell it and then all of a sudden they're on the on the case and then you just follow the beast legion and they'll get to it and things like that each legion has its own special characteristics that help you solve some of the side quests uh in order to you know just do that and the side quests i won't say they serve a major purpose other than like unlocking items but it's what it, there is a payoff with them because as you do them, you'll notice certain NPCs uh, recur throughout the different um, like regions that you get to in the game. And so by doing the side quests, you'll kind of progress their narrative. narrative. So it, there is a payoff there, which is kind of awesome. And it, also just different gameplay mechanics pop up in the side quests that you wouldn't see in the in the main uh, storyline. So that there's definitely a benefit there. So highly recommend Astro Chain if anybody gets a Switch and is looking for a game that came out in 2019 to play. Um, it's very fun. As I said, never was never really into like those platinum, you know, character action style of games. But this one is the one that like maybe like, all right, maybe I'll, maybe we'll, we'll see what happens with Final Fantasy when it comes out. Uh, if it has like if it has that action right, maybe maybe it's something that I can get down with. If if like the flow to the action is is something that I can enjoy. Um, so yeah, really loved Astro Chain. So after beating that, I went to the game that I've been waiting for, the game that I bought oh. technically as a Christmas present, and that being oh. Marvel Midnight Sun. Oh. How yeah. is it? <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's um, it's great because you know I I love. I love my uh, turn-based strategy, uh, tactical turn-based strategy games. Um, you and but yet I, both, I, my friend. Yeah, but I never played, uh, I never gotten into any of the XCOM games. And so this was, I guess, like my first Firaxis, um, you know, XCOM style, tactical turn-based style of game. But even then, this one is a little bit different because, you know, the XCOM games didn't have a, a card system that came into the battle mechanics and things along lines like that. And so it seems like they probably took what they did with that and then added this whole another element to it to, you know, to give it a little bit more of a strategy um, feel from that, from that side, from the card side. And with that, it works out really well. Like, um, so you have your cards, obviously the cards are, 
there are different types of cards. So there's an attack card, uh, a heroic card, and there's like a skill card. And your attack card and your skill cards, um, you can use them at any time. Uh, and if you use if you use them, you get a hero point. And then so with the hero points, you use those then towards your heroic cards. So your heroic cards are your your bigger attacks, like the um, say like finishers, if it was like wrestling or whatever. Um, like one of the, like one of the heroics for Blade is you use it. He jumps. It goes into an animation where he jumps in the air with like a stake, and then like you know fucking stakes the enemy, and it, it does greater damage than his normal regular attack. But you have to have a, a certain amount of hero points to use like different cards. Like some cards require three hero points, some require only one, and they all have their own different advantages of doing um, of using them. Uh, what I like about it too is so from a lot from the, the standpoint of a lot of tactical turn-based games there's you know you think about it as that top down or kind of like top down view where you see the board and it's literally like a chessboard where you see like the different squares and you have a certain amount of moves with certain characters to move on each square depending on the the style of the character and how much movement they have and yada yada whereas in this game there's no there's no uh grid system as far as the movement but um what makes it interesting, at least in the early parts, I'm I'm pretty sure it'll probably open up in some way. But you get one move, you can move one character for each round, and you can move them anywhere on the map. So, um, and that comes into play because what's pretty cool is that there's you know objects on on the map that you can then that you can take advantage of. So, like say there's an explosive barrel on the map, you can move your character to the you can move a character to that barrel, and then use a hero use a hero point and throw that barrel and yes or yes. you can move you can move a hero to like i don't know like say an object like uh like if there's a table and you can kick the table at like the enemies as long as like they're in range of the of the uh, attack mm -hmm. and so there's an advantage to moving certain people around for offensive and defensive reasons then on top of that what's pretty cool is that each card has its own like you know uh status modifier as we'll say and so some of them is like uh like one is i think it's called quick and the way quick works is so say you have an attack card with quick on it well if you ko an enemy with that one attack then that basically doesn't count as a usage usage of a card and you only get to use three cards in each round so if say you can line it up where you get off a bunch of those attack KOs, then you're not using any cards technically. Um, and so you'll just keep drawing and keep moving. So there's a lot of strategy there with how you want to use those. And from what I learned from later in the game is that you can get duplicates of cards and you can combine them in this forge. And when you combine them in the forge, then they'll get like some of those status modifiers, like the quick and some of the other things that come into the game that come into play with the strategy. So there's, it's a, it's a pretty intricate game from, from that standpoint. Um, and yeah, I'm absolutely loving it. I'm loving the Marvel aspect of it. As far as like the different heroes, I got blade, I got captain Marvel, oh. I got, um, I got ghost rider. I got magic. I got, um, Iron Man, Doctor Strange, and there's still, I know, like Wolverine, and um, I haven't gotten uh, Wanda yet, Scarlet Witch. So there's a, there's a whole host of other characters that I haven't, oh, Spider-Man, I haven't gotten him yet. Um, so I know that there's a bunch of other characters to unlock, and they all have like their own unique movesets because of like the, the, the cards and their heroic abilities. Um, and so yeah, it's, 
there's a lot of strategy to it but it's also fun because it feels like a marvel game and even like a little bit of persona in it because um so you have your your mission time you're out on the missions and you're basically doing your you're going through your fights as you're pushing through the story and then you have your downtime at um i guess it's not the, the abbey yeah the abbey um but not dr strange's like place it's like a different abbey mm-hmm. uh and there you have your relationships and you build relationships with the different characters and through that you'll then um from what i read you'll um from at least what they told you in the the hints and tips is that if you build up your relationship with the character then it will unlock like an ultimate move so um and then I'm, I'm pretty sure there's like relationship stuff going on because like Blade let me know he was he was kind of feeling Captain Marvel, oh, <laughs> like strong women. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I think he even said something along those lines. And so, um, so there's even like a relationship aspect to the game. Um, and what I what I'm liking so far too is so you have your created character, and it seems like I have to bring them. Like it's it's basically AMC, and I have to bring the created character into the fold every time, and then you choose from the other Marvel heroes who you want in your backup crew. Um, and so a part of me was like, ah, oh, damn, because like I'd rather just have three Marvel heroes than my created character. But they did a good job. The created character is awesome, also very important to the story, but also has a, a good set of skills. So it's not like you're just bringing in some dude that like you know that you have to play with. <laughs> like it's a it's a fun character. Um, and so yeah, uh, I'm really loving this game. I'm a, a few hours in already. Oh, well, I fought Venom. I, I won't say I beat him, but I fought Venom. So I got a taste of like that boss battle with um with that character. And yeah, it's a really fun game from what I hear, uh, or at least from what I read. Um, 2K said that it critically was successful, and, but and yet it was a commercial disappointment. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people were, they had their, you know, the concern trolls showed up and they were concerned about this card system and about mm-hmm. microtransactions. And so I know, I know a lot of people skipped on this game because they were just worried about, you know, the 2K-ness of the game. But um, as 2K said, their only things that you would be spending money on would be DLC and the DLC would be new characters. Um, and so they've adhered to that. The card system that people worried about, I think is absolutely amazing. It it gives it a different feel for a turn-based, a tactical turn-based game and yeah the whole marvelness of it that people another thing that people worry about with the dialogue i am enjoying it the characters all have a different feel it's not like they're all it's not like they're all just quippy they're quippy from their personality standpoints so like um in the abbey you see like dr strange and um iron man working together at the forge and you kind of see the 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 counter dynamics of you know a person who's um whose expertise is in magic and then another person whose expertise is in science. And you see like basically their, their philosophies like bumping heads as they're working together to, you know, to study all the stuff that we're finding out in the world to kind of, you know, to figure out what this whole magic situation is going on. That's kind of screwing things up. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's fun. I like it. The dynamic of the characters is good and all that, all that control concern troll shit, I think was unfounded and hopefully you know, I've heard other podcasts where people have talked about how they've enjoyed it. Hopefully the word will get out. More people will pick it up and give it a shot because, um, you know, going back to the, uh, you know, the the Marvel Ultimate Alliance style of games. I remember like they started out as like X-Men games um, and they were all great. And then they kept evolving. Eventually they got to the point where there were Avengers games and whatnot. And so, yeah, it'd be sad to see if this was the one 
the one attempt at this. Like, it'd be nice to see, like, all right, we have this foundation, and now we can do something that's not Midnight Suns, that's maybe X-Men-based or Fantastic Four-based or more just, you know, traditional Avengers-based with, like, Thor and Captain America and all those other characters. So, um, yeah, it would be unfortunate if this was a one-time out, uh, especially because we know that Firaxis brings it when it comes to these style of games. Um, So, yeah, um, if you're considering it, this is the recommendation to go and give it a shot because it is an absolutely awesome game. I, I can't wait to get into it. Uh, have you ever found yourself in a situation where you're just not getting the right cards or you would have won a battle if the <laughs> cards came out differently? I mean, I hate to ask, but I, I had to do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm glad you brought that up because what's great is that there is a mechanic in it where you get up to two redraws. Um, yeah, every round. So if like, say you get five, you get a, a hand of five cards every time. Um, well, so you use three, depending on if you get the KOs, you might use more, but you use three cards and then it will redraw those other three cards. And you always have five, five cards on hand and say you don't like two of the cards. You can select any two and then do a redraw with those cards to see if you can get a better draw from there. So there's still a little bit of randomization there, but if you don't like what's in your hand, you can always take a shot at getting another thing. And that's where, like, you know, if you play games like Hearthstone or anything like that, it's all about deck building. And so you kind of set it up in a way that there is a good shot that you'll always have something usable with every draw. And now it's just a matter of lining it up where you do that, you get the you get the right draw, but then you're also figuring out the order that you want to use them while also figuring out like moving characters around on the board and possibly instead of using a heroic point on a card you can use it on an object to then hurt an enemy things along those lines so there's there's ways of where you don't necessarily have to use a card if you've thought out all your all your movements uh within the game and so yeah it's um they've they've done a good job of like not you know forcing your hand with like whatever you get you're you're stuck with that like that random that random proposition like there's there's a way to work around it so that you know you're never really screwed with a draw and i'm glad you brought that up (laughs) uh so yeah uh people people bullshitting on the side get over yourselves you might need to give this game a shot yeah should have gave it a shot (laughs) when the time was right instead of being apprehensive and standoffish yes well Hey, Dub, we got about two weeks of news. We had a big event that happened. Oh, yes. So let's let's get right into these topics of the week. Top topics of the week. Do you, do you want to just take care of the big event or do you want to ease into it? Let's ease into it. Let's, okay. let's, let's start with Tim. Uh, we got a big announcement. Forza Horizon 5 getting its second expansion pack. Right. Yes, this time we're going to see some rally focus Mm. yes so get your tires muddy the forza horizon 5 rally adventure is here uh this expansion pack promises to allow players to build quote unquote a rally monster yes you heard me right uh the expansion is going to arrive on march 29th if you already bought the 
with the DLC packs or whatever additions come with the DLC, then you're already going to have access to this. It's going to include a whole new rally career mode, a uh, brief trailer for the expansion, which you can see on the Forza Horizon Twitter at Forza Horizon. Also showed off new gameplay and it teased some features that players can enjoy in the Rally Adventure DLC. Uh, they playground games they said there's going to be some new customization options and they promised the players could build that rally monster so yes uh this is coming on the heels of the hot wheels dlc personally i've never really been a fan of rally racing just too much sliding i'm much of a road racing kind of person i enjoy the precision and just going extremely fast but being that I already paid for this, I'm going to be getting it. And, you know, it's still racing. It's more content for a game that I greatly enjoy. I'm going to be giving this a the honest college try, you know, push my way through as much of the campaign as I can. Even with the Hot Wheels DLC, I didn't push all the way through the end of the campaign. I think I got about 75%, 80 of the way, 80% of the way there. But I'm definitely going to be playing Rally Adventure. So you can look for that content being streamed on twitch.tv slash control issues pod starting March 29th. Let you guys know how it is. I'll let you know how I'm doing with it. Uh AMC, you had the pleasure of watching the trailer with me. What did you think about what you saw for this experience? Uh yeah, it looked cool. It's um as I mentioned to you, I've always heard good things about dirt. I've always liked the idea of rally car. So, um, by and, dirt, you mean the franchise, not the yeah, substance. yeah, not, not, <laughs> not, just not rolling around in it like a piggy, like a little piggy. Uh, it's full of, <laughs> full of nutrients. You can put a plant in it. Yeah, do a mud bath. Good for your skin. Um, yeah. Um, so, and and I get that with um, when they first revealed Forza Horizon Five. Um, and they showed us, you know, the region and that being in Mexico in the environments that you'd be passing through. You know, it's a very, uh, they're just areas, areas that are just straight up desert. And so it does like make sense. There's all, and it's a lot of, there's a lot of off-roading in the game. So it kind of fits into the, the environment that they selected for this game to then throw in a um a rally option to you know do that do that drifting that that dirt drifting oh, and, so much drifting every turn is a drift yeah and like i mean i i obviously never i never got into rally car but you know when i had my volkswagen gti I, people would just always come up to me and be like you know that was that's a rally car that's a dope rally car and i'm like really <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna steal your car <laughs> yeah <laughs> as i staring at the rims um yeah um and so yeah that was whenever i drive it i always i would always think about like i'm driving a rally car um and <laughs> I, <laughs> I always loved it got that low center that. of gravity yeah exactly the, the got turn. that even weight distribution exactly so yeah um because of that i always always had uh always always had an affinity for rally just the idea of rally because of that car and and the praise that i would be getting for that car that i got for non-rally reasons and um yeah uh it looked like it would be fun for the people who are into that um yeah uh from a personal standpoint you know you know it is. like if i were if i were to be playing a racing game i'd want to be on a track but for the people who are all about that off-worldness of horizon this is this clearly seems to be for them well you know what amc given your car experience and and that story you just told i'll tell you what i'm gonna do to help get you involved and play pay some homage to what was the Volkswagen. 
I'm going to make a rally monster out of your car. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the car that, that I'll use for as much of my time with the game that I possibly can. So we'll see what they do with the campaign and whether or not I need to use different kind of cars. I mean, with Forza, of course, there are races that are sorted according to the stat ratings. Mm. So, you know, it, it depends on how high and how low I can go with the Volkswagen, but you know, I'll, I'll try to do as much as I can. Yes. <laughs> so let's get to the next topic of the week. Top, topic, topic of the, of the week. week. What you got? All right, let's do. Uh, we got some January NP day, day, day oh, 2023. Three, three. This is the first. This is MP- be interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's the first NPD of the month. Oh, yeah, it's very interesting, A Dub, because um, it'll be something that we'll, we should, we'll have to bring up. A topic that we didn't discuss, and I'm glad we didn't discuss it because people were jumping to conclusions. And this right here shows that people nitpicking informations and stats to, to build something up while tearing something else down doesn't always play out if you wait for the full picture to come into place. So here we go, A-Dub, January 2023 NPD, the top 20 best-selling games in the United States. So number one, A-Dub, <laughs> number one, A-Dub, no surprise, that being Call of Duty Modern Warfare, just it's still holding on. You can set your watch to it. Yeah. Uh, number two, we got a new one, A-Dub. A new an, an oldie but a goodie, but a new one that being Dead Space 2023, the remake showing up at number two. Very nice, well deserved. Yes. Number three, no surprise here. We got Madden in a fellow 23. People still loving it. Pre-Super Bowl. So football is at a fever pitch. Then we got four FIFA 23. We got five, another new game, A dub. That one being Fire Emblem Engage. Oh, okay. Hearing good, hearing good things about this game, so glad to see people went up, went out and picked it up. You're gonna get it. You played Three Houses, right? Yeah, Three Houses was a shit. Um, yeah, I'm considering it, but I do have the problem is I'm playing Midnight Suns Tactical Turn Base and Triangle Strategy is always Ooh. a game that I want to pick up. So that's another Tactical Turn Base. So Fire Emblem just isn't at being that I just played or not just played, but I played Three Houses. Um. A part of me wants to play Triangle Strategy before I get in there. So it'll be there, but it's just not a priority. A part of me wants you to play Triangle Strategy before you get I know. I can't wait. Um, let's see. Number six. This still still selling A-Dub. More news later. That being uh, Elden Ring at number oh. six A-Dub. Uh, this is over a year. This is a year later because it came out. Was it January last year or February? Whatever. I think it was February. Yeah, so almost a year. I could but be still, totally wrong. But still charting in the top 10, number six. Uh, number seven, A-Dub, we got a new game, a game that A-Dub played, that being Forspoken. What? Number eight. Good. Yeah, number seven. Yeah, not bad, not bad. People are trying to say nobody wanted it, but apparently strong enough to show up number seven on the chart. It was eight, just a eight, week on the market. Yeah. Number eight, A-Dub, that being God of War Ragnarok, still selling. Of course. Uh, nine, another new game. People people got to get that anime itch. They got to scratch it. That being One Piece Odyssey. That, okay. That the, is that the open world One Piece or is that the turn-based One Piece? I, I have no idea. I just can't. <laughs> I can't bring myself to like <laughs> look into or care for anything One Piece related. It's just that guy. Yeah. art style that's the only thing that keeps me from going all in on one piece despite you know how beloved it is and how how much content there is mm-hmm. like i'm 
I would never allude to or suggest that One Piece is bad. People love it. That's great. It. I'm I'm big on art, man, and that art just doesn't do it for me. But I respect it. I'm glad to see One Piece getting its video game treatment, and apparently, it's resonating with the fans. So good on One Piece. Awesome. Let's see. Uh, number ten, Pokemon Scarlet Violet. Eleven, The Last of Us Part One. It was Still. it was thirty sixth in December, and it jumped all the way up to eleven. So yeah, I I know we had discussed about the uh, the big push that came to the Last of Us with the uh, with the um, the show debuting and the the critical success that is the Last of Us on HBO, um, and now yeah now we're seeing that jump in sales. So for all the people who said nobody asked for this, apparently a lot of people decided that they might not have asked for it, but they wanted it. <laughs> um, let's see, number twelve, Sonic Frontiers. Thirteen, Monster Hunter Rise. Fourteen. Okay. Mario Kart 8 still selling. Uh 15 always selling Minecraft. 16 Need for Speed Unbound, 17 Just Dance 2023 edition. Uh NBA 2K23, Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales at 19 and to round out the list at 20 NHL 23. Um so we'll keep going a little more details here. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 was the best-selling game of January, the fourth consecutive for the fourth consecutive month. The title has led the market in premium software dollar sales. Four new games ranked among the top 20 best-selling games of January, the, um, that being led by Dead Space 2023 in the number two spot. Then, uh, as far as hardware sales, PlayStation 5 was the U.S. the United States markets. <laughs> PlayStation 5 was the United States market's best-selling hardware platform for January 2023, both in unit and dollar sales, with the Switch ranking in at number two in both measures. So, A-Dub, what I will bring to you, because it was a story that we obviously ignored because we knew it we knew it was on some bullshit. Mm-hmm. And now to see it here, we saw we saw Forspoken A-Dub in the number seven slot. Yes. But you know what we what we didn't see in the top 20 A-Dub? Mm, and this and this isn't <laughs> this isn't to shit on the game, but this is to prove a point. Hi-Fi Rush didn't chart in the top twenty on NPD, and in yet, the US, yes, in the US. <laughs> on Xbox, yeah, and and yet and yet when those games came out, there were all the people who were trying to shit on Forspoken, and so they were all pointing to the Steam sales yeah. <laughs> and trying to say, oh. Hi-Fi Rush is out selling Forspoken, and it's on Game Pass. But then when we get NPD, we ain't seeing Hi-Fi Rush on there. So for all the people that were pointing to that stat as a reason to say that Forspoken was doing terribly in in using this game to prop it, to, I guess, prop it down instead of prop it up, but to prop up that argument, now we're seeing. So so speak on that, AJ. Well, I mean, it's it's the age-old internet thing. When people don't like something, they'll just grasp it any straw they can possibly grasp, whether real or imagined, in order to try to diminish the thing that they dislike to prove to people that it's bad objectively and not just, I don't like it and I don't think other people should like it. Uh, I read a, an interesting post on Reddit where it it did the legwork that journalists didn't seem to do and actually put the Steam sales figures in the context. So I'll try to paraphrase that for you here real briefly because I know we're pretty limited all time. But basically, Forspoken is heavily marketed on PlayStation 5. That was its 
primary market. It also came out on PC. Uh, to my understanding, Steam does not count pre-order sales in its sales figures. So, Forspoken was up for pre-order. High Fire Rush wasn't. High Fire Rush was dropped the day that it came out. Uh, in addition, because High Fire Rush was more marketed on PlayStation 5, that's where a lot of its sales were. I'm not going to say most. I'll just say that's where a lot of its sales were. So in essence, you're comparing a fraction of a fraction of Forspoken sales to all of High Fire Rush's sales on Steam, which would be basically 100% since you couldn't pre-order it. Now, yes, Hi-Fi Rush was available on Xbox. It was also available on Game Pass. But if you're going to sit there, it, it's not apples to apples in that situation. It's, it's just not. So that's kind of messed up, and it just feeds that narrative. And I'm actually kind of surprised at the gaming media for, for running a story like that without really diving into the details of it or putting it in the proper context at the same token and they're not surprised yeah, because, not, surprised, <laughs> yeah not surprised at all <laughs> not surprised at all because we've reached this point not only within the gaming community online but also with gaming media where it's this feedback loop of negativity where mm -hmm. oh the, these people don't like this thing so then let's give them discussion points where they can talk about how much they don't like this thing. Let's reaffirm their biases. Then they'll keep talking more about it. And then it just keeps going back in a circle, in a circle, just this negative bias feeding itself. And, you know, it's... Yeah, like the story... It's, the story. it's exhausting and it's kind of gross now. But yeah, go on, AMC. I was just going to say, because the story could have just been people are enjoying Hi-Fi Rush. But they had to be... People are enjoying it, and Forspoken is doing bad. Yeah, or, like it wasn't even like because that are... used to be that used to be an online thing where it's like, oh, Elder Ring is great, it's better than Horizon Forbidden West. But <laughs> now the media is starting to participate in that, and it's yeah. it's just it it lacks integrity. Mm -hmm. and I just don't like how because at no point in the past can I recall a single sales article put out by a media outlet where they are purposely pitting two games against each other or comparing their sales. It's usually, oh, Dark Souls 3 sells 3 million copies faster than Dark Souls 2. Or Spider-Man is now the, the highest selling, fastest selling Sony first party game. And, and things like that, where it's comparisons within franchises, it's comparisons within a, a publisher's first party offerings. It's never been this contest or even this quote unquote hit job where they're actively trying to diminish a given game. And like we're, we're seeing more and more instances in that. I mean, I can trace it all the way back to when I think it was like Eurogamer or something instructed people not to pre order the order 1886. And then we can talk about how IGN ran an article telling people not to buy the PS5 version of Horizon Forbidden West to instead buy the PS4 version and get the upgrade. And it's like, what is going on where it's now this collective effort to not only be negative, but to take all that negativity out on the developers and their games? while also feeding this nonsensical BS that internet trolls come up with. I, I just don't understand how we got here and why we're why we're setting up camp. It's it's horrible. 
yeah it's like you're you're just tra- you're chasing the controversy yeah it's like what's the thing that people are 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 arguing about and let's feed into that aspect of the story like yeah. almost like like because we're seeing all these great cells of you know hogwarts legacy and what i will say is that all they're saying is hogwarts legacy is selling well hogwarts legacy is killing it mm-hmm. best selling harry harry potter uh game that's like launched yada 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 but they're not saying the article is not titled in a blow to the trans community hogwarts yeah. legacy is selling gangbusters i mean <laughs> not not yet <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly it's just a matter of time before we get to this point <laughs> where the media is taking taking more and more of these stances yeah <laughs> and like it's the click I kind of, of I kind of attribute it to how like gaming is a kind of thing that younger folk gravitate to. And what comes with that are the things that younger folk talk about and the habits that younger folk have. When it comes to other mediums and things, yeah, there are younger folk that are involved, but there are also older folk involved with more integrity and who come from an era where it's just about the story. It's just about the subject. It's not about all this peripheral stuff surrounding it. And then we're also in a space where people aren't even determining whether they like or dislike a game based on the content and the quality of it anymore. They're looking at, oh, well, uh, Atomic Hearts is got Russian ties and, you know, Forspoken is woke and, Hogwarts Legacy is J.K. Rowling. It's like you're just writing off an entire product for every reason other than the product itself. Like, there was a point in time when we used to care about gameplay in games. Just increasingly, more and more, I'm not seeing discussion about the content and the quality of a game. I'm seeing discussion about bullshit, especially from people who have not had these games in their hands. We're seeing all this discussion before a game comes out. And then it's, lo and behold, all the articles and the reviews echo the things that people have been saying before people even had their hands on it. So where is that coming from? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah no, I, I completely agree. <laughs> and, no, I completely agree. And there's, you know, there's just a, there's kind of like a hypocrisy to it as to like what they're going to focus on with that. That's like, um, I know that's, that's, pretty annoying because it's you know like it's they'll pick and choose like i've heard people say like oh like games shouldn't be like canceled or blah blah blah, blah. Mm-hmm. but then like at the same time like they'll, they'll make the argument like games they should just like the merit of the game is all that should matter yada yada let and the then, developers like, make what they want yeah and then like what you were saying like snk pretty much buys i mean uh, the saudi investment fund pretty much buys snk and then they're like i will never buy any game that's published by snk yada yada, yada. and it's like what well, you're literally saying to cancel then anything that's snk related i'll and never so, buy a game that's that has 10 <laughs> cent involved yeah yeah and so like, china i'm not supporting china <laughs> yeah it's just what i'm saying like it's like people pick and choose like what shouldn't be canceled and what should be canceled but then at the same time saying cancel culture is bad <laughs> and so that's like that's that's the part of me like where there's just a whole hypocrisy in what how how free people feel that the coverage of video game should be um, yeah, just just my yeah. last little bit on this like yeah. are we are we really <laughs> are we really like under this illusion that a handful of video games are propping up the entire economies of foreign countries and, and their atrocities. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Like, is the Russian war going to stop because you didn't buy atomic hearts? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, where are we going to get our funding from now? <laughs> They're not buying it. The missiles are on back order. Like, come on. I, I mean, I'm sorry. That like that's that's an atrocity, and I understand that. Yeah. You know, there are some people who genuinely just don't want to support it because of that, and like, I I get that. I understand the moral implications. It's not to make light of certain things like that, but at the same token, like a video game, one video game, it's not like it's it's not like it's GTA Online where it's gonna move like a hundred million copies and have this decades long microtransaction revenue stream. Like that could pop up in a company. <laughs> like it's Atomic Hearts. It's a new IP. It it's on Game Pass. Microsoft already decided what to do with your money in that regard. Nobody's getting mad at them. So it's it's just weird. I I genuinely do not like where the online discourse and just the general outlook and context-free opinions and skewing of data and just woke this and it's it's absurd. Like people try to say. No, I'm not going to deviate. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, uh, continue on, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm just getting... If my thoughts are all over the place, I'm getting really upset. <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. It's just... Uh, I mean, yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly as far as I'm I'm just over the the idea that something that was brought over from social media, but this... this, this We're going to just try to dunk on each other. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I like this thing. I don't like this. So I'm going to find a way to dunk on this. And it's mm-hmm. like... And ultimately, we're all here to just try to find good games and play them. And now it's become everything but that. <laughs> so it's like it's it is pretty annoying. But um, except here, control issues where yeah. we still care about what really matters. Which yeah, are and that's why, like, when that Forspoken story came out with Hi-Fi Rush, like you know, instead of bringing it up and then arguing about it for like ten minutes when that story dropped, we just ignored it. <laughs> and that's yeah. like that's the thing I always want to like. Like to like all these people where they're like, we don't want to be about this, and yet they spend like an hour discussing it. Is like you can totally just not bring up that topic. There is mm-hmm. a million other topics that you can discuss. <laughs> it's, uh, just starving of energy. Like, why do you need? <laughs> why do you need recognition for your your inactivity? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, but let's uh, let's move on to the next topic of the week. Top topic of the week. What, can I what do you got here? I'll save that for a quick hit. This is kind of related to that story you covered. El- Did you talk about Elden Ring sales? No, nah, you can bring that up now. I'm going to bring it up right now. You boys over from Software, Miyazaki, and the fam killing it right now. Elden Ring has hit yet another significant milestone in its commercial performance since its release last year in 2022. Elden Ring has officially crossed the 20 million copies sold mark. Yes, we did it tarnished. We did it maidenless. <laughs> we made that happen. We helped catapult from software to unforeseen levels of success. And they deserve every single penny of it, every single award, every single hand clap, every single standing ovation, because they stick to their guns. They make the games they want to make. They make them for the people they want to make them for. And the people who love them continue to show up every single time. This is what gaming is about right here. This is what we used to do. This is what we used to have. Through all the criticism, through all the easy mode begging, 
people showed up, people showed out, and we continue to get some of the best games that have ever been made. AMC, how do you feel about this news? Yeah, it's great, man, because it's uh, it's showing that a developer can decide we're not going to compromise, and yet we can still put out a highly successful product, and mm-hmm. that's what Elden Ring was. It was, we're still going to do us. We're still going to evolve. We're going to take what we learned from the previous game, bring that into the next game, but also continue to do new things with it. Um, it wasn't just the fact that they went open world with it. It was like they did so much of this game. And even the fact that they brought in, you know, they've had, you know, we'll say loose multiplayer <laughs> with mm-hmm. like Souls games before, but this one with a more dedicated, like I can bring the homie in, he can help me out and we can do this boss fight together. Take and, down them lobsters together. Yeah. And like, yeah, they, they did so much with this game and yet it still had all the trademarks of what made them successful without any, any type of compromise. And um, I think that's like the big takeaway is that, you can keep your head down, ignore all the, oh, if if only, if only, you can all ignore all the if onlys, do what you do, and, you know, your audience will continue to show up and support you, and as you get bigger with it, more people want to jump on, because as people do, once when something just gets so big that they can't ignore it, they eventually have to give it a shot, and that's what Elden Ring was, it was, it was awesome, it was open world, it was multiplayer, and yet, with all the great single playerness that you can expect, and then what? It starts getting incredible scores, ten out of tens, and then people can't ignore it. They have to give it a shot. They give it a shot, and they're like, "Holy shit, I'm having fun playing a Souls game. Mm-hmm. I might be wrong here." And yeah, you eventually win them over. You you take the slings and the arrows, but um, yeah, once as the time passes, eventually they'll be on your side. You kill them with kind, you kill them with the work you put in the work. And so, yeah, um, really happy to, to just see this. This is, you know, this isn't a confirmation of success because it was already proven last year, just by the fact that it was, you know, number one for so many months, holding it down uh, on the MPD and all the other charts from around the world. And then, yeah, to then see now this final, or not this final, but to see this big number, it's 20 million, because that's like, the 20 million mark, that's like where you're like, like Spider-Man passed 20 million sales, like all the big games hit that 20 million sales mark and like just hit another echelon. And so glad to see that Elden Ring hit that within a year, within less of a year, we'll say. Um, and yeah, definitely um, really happy to, to hear that story there. Absolutely. And hopefully... I'm just looking forward to later this year <laughs> when, when all the people who swore that they hate mech games and mech games are terrible, when Armored Core 6 comes out, that, oh, oh, this, this, this is really amazing. Oh, how did I not know about this franchise? Because you, you chose not to know. People were trying to tell you. You did listen. But you know what? You're getting another chance to do the right thing. Show up for Armor Core. See what From Software has been all this time and not just what they are now because they've been genius. They've been knocking it out the park. You just showed up late to the game. <laughs> Let's get into the next topic of the week. Top topic, topic of, the of the week. week. Let's, let's do what it right now. Let's get into the, let's get into the big story. Um, 
Sony, Sony had their state of play. I know we didn't, we didn't get to do, it was, it was three weeks ago. So I just, we're not going to even discuss it. Nintendo had a direct. It was awesome. They, mm-hmm. they pretty much shadow dropped uh, Metroid Fusion or Metroid Prime. The Metroid um, Prime remaster. Yeah, get, you, people, get, people, you, get, get your bomb bounce. Yeah, exactly. People are enjoying that. But yeah, now, so Microsoft had their event. Nintendo had theirs. We're waiting on Sony. Sony had theirs. And we got some got some announcements, some information. So let's get right into it. Do you want to just take care of all these A dubs? Since I know I know you know these by heart, or we can just go through the list and pick oh, and choose what games. I know these by heart. <laughs> scrolling through the list, start from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, you know, we got a bunch of, of VR titles to lead off with. Uh, a couple of interesting ones I saw. First was a game by the name of Synapse. It's a looks like a black and white with a you know a splash of color here and there kind of VR experience you're moving between cover you're cover shooting but you got VR so you can move the gun independently of your body shooting people in the face <laughs> I don't really know I don't really know what the game is about but it looks like over the course of the experience you eventually acquire telekinetic capabilities so not only are you walking around with a gun you know moving and shooting but you're also picking up throwing objects and moving things out of the way and it looks like it's going to have a a decent pace of action it looks like it's pretty interesting how did you feel about synapse um it looked cool there's uh i mean there's um there's a lot of uh of these style of games (laughs) in different settings as far as like I'm in VR. I got my gun, and I'm, yeah. and I'm handling business. Yeah, that's um, about the easiest way you can do VR. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, which one was Synapse again? As far that as that black like, and uh, white one, I think it was the first one. Okay. Um, yeah, Synapse fast pace, first person shooter, yeah, telekinesis Syn- powers. Yeah, Synapse looked pretty cool. You had your abilities with the guns shooting. Um, don't have much to say there. Um, I mean, the one that stood out is the one I'm sure you'll get to the the more space faring one. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I did like the fact that you got your guns, you got your 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 abilities. So it's kind of like a, a hero shooter from that sense, <laughs> from a VR perspective. And the action did look at least like interesting from a, a fast paced standpoint, like just running and gunning people in the face. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious how many people just got blasted. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> indiscriminately cold blooded. Oh, uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't have much to say about synapses. Let's keep it, let's keep it moving. So the next one, synapse being kind of the fast paced, action oriented VR experience. We now get into something a bit more colorful and story driven with a uh, journey to foundation. I believe it's called. It's a game that's based on Isaac Asimov's book Foundation, which immediately caught my attention because I was very much into the Foundation television series that's on apple tv um desperately waiting for a new season of that because i just gotta know what happens but yeah this one like i said story driven i believe you still have a gun (laughs) or something that means because you know that's about the easiest as developers have said that's the easiest cause and effect input output reaction that you could present to a player you pull a trigger something happens so I don't know too much about this. Uh, let's see. According to IGN, it is a sci-fi stealth game based on the iconic Foundation series by Isaac Asimov. Journey to Foundation showed shooting, stealthing, and you're moving around a space station. That's about as much information as I can offer. I'd really recommend people look up the trailer for this game or watch the state of play if you haven't so you can get a better idea 
of what's going on. Uh, at, at this point in the show, after I've seen a couple of games, I did notice the one thing about VR <laughs> that I'm surprised is still hanging around, which is that little almost imperceptible vibration of the right hand as the system is trying to you know, determine your position of your hand in space. <laughs> I was just like, yep, <laughs> still VR. <laughs> but you saw Journey to the Foundation. What did you think about this experience being more story-driven and stealth-oriented? Yeah, I would say that that's like, that was the big thing that um, pulled me in with this game is, um, like, even... Cause like every other shooter game is kind of like I'm just a badass. <laughs> I'm, I'm shooting people in the face, and that's mm-hmm. like what I do. Whereas this was the first one, like where like I, he had a gun at one point, but there's even a part where like a character turned around with like a huge, we'll say like laser minigun. Who knows what the fuck it was? And you see the hands kind of do that, like oh please, please don't like you know don't shoot me, like like I, I come in peace type of thing. Yeah. So like there, it just it seemed like there was a little more. um not gonna say emotion, but a little more depth to the characters <laughs> and the uh, the 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 story there. You talked to a bunch of different people, so it just seemed like a game that I I personally would be more interested in. As far as like you know, we get the action segments, but then the story is like what's kind of driving it underneath. Uh, it seems like it has like that. It seems like it has like that fuller picture going on, and because of that, it was a it was a game that actually did catch my eye uh, from that standpoint because um. I mean, if you're in VR, it's it's fun to run around shooting people in the face, but also like, why not get a little a little story? And if it's an interesting story, that can only make it better. So, this one seemed like a good blend of action and storytelling, and also in space. So it's an environment that'd be interesting to go through in VR. So there's there's a lot going there that um I think could be really fun for somebody to play. Yeah, insofar as VR goes, I, I think it's the biggest opportunity to really make more lively, vivid, engaging worlds. So when I saw this game, that was the first sign. I'm like, okay, now we're starting to get some work with this technology. Because even in standard games, whether they be first person or third person, I always I always stop and smell the roses. I look around the environment. I look for the vistas. I appreciate the lighting and things. So to have that on my face and basically just inside of that world in space because my my ultimate dream i i don't want to be on this planet i want to be out among the stars i want to be just exploring spacefaring like if there ever came an opportunity to be a space trucker just going from planet to planet space station to space station transporting resources i would gladly be the first person to get my space class license and get my my space rig <laughs> just be out there me and my dog <laughs> going from Jupiter to Saturn, whatever, just taking resources. As long as I just get to be out there floating, doing my thing in the in the tranquil chaos that is the space environment, I would gladly do that. So Journey to Foundation looks to kind of bring that fantasy to life as you're moving through this space station, but you still have, you know, the big open areas where you can gaze out and look at the planets and the moons that you happen to be in orbit around. So that's something to keep our eyes on. However, this next one is completely out of control and kind of weird. That's kind of giving me good vibes because I live for a more artistic kind of weird experience. This game coming from the Tetris Effect developers by the name of Humanity. So in this game, you play as a dog. Already, already 
bonus points. We had Stray last year, navigating humanity, playing as a dog. Definitely brings back memories of Okami playing as your boy Shiranui. I'm a Tarasu. Uh, this game, to me, it looks like a modern interpretation of what would have happened if Lemmings had hung around. So you're this dog, and you're leading a, a diverse throng of human beings through these kind of control looking astral plane kind of environments and as the trailer goes on things continue to get progressively weirder there's a giant gold dude uh, you're making people push blocks uh, there are blocks with fans that blow people away you're you're making people jump up platforms at one point you're making them swim through vertical columns of water and coming out the other side they're flying around and then you get introduced to the others the others are also a diverse array of people but they're all muted in color black and white at some point they go straight empire on you pulling out their red lightsabers but the people fight back the people pull out the blue lightsabers it's basically a jedi sith war out there and i i can't pretend to know what the fuck is going on in this game that's why I love it. Uh, let me see what they say in the write-up. It uh, shows a spirit-like dog leading hundreds upon hundreds of human beings in lemmings-like fashion. Uh, we also saw a creation tool where players can create and share levels with others around the globe. This game is coming to PS5, 4, PSVR, and PSVR 2. AMC, what did you make of this utter smorgasbord of weirdness? Uh, yeah, it looked, um, it looked interesting because like... Uh, a part of me was like, oh, like lemmings, like really? And then, um, <laughs> but as I saw, not a fan it, of lemmings. It's just been years since I played it. Like, you know, it's a game you played as a kid. Uh, yeah. And I mean, it's making no sense of it. Yeah. Um, and like, there's there's a whole puzzle aspect. I believe like one of the um, the recent Oddworld games had an aspect of like, you know, lemmings ish, uh, where you're trying to guide people through traps and everything. Um, but this one, yeah, it had like a unique aesthetic feel to it, presentation. And then like just seeing some of the stuff like where you see the people kind of launching into the air. <laughs> and like <laughs> and like once like you know, you start to get those those massive like just lines of people, um, it starts to like get like I don't know, have its own presentation i don't know how the best way to put it but it almost like, looks like, like the commemorations like, of starlings yeah but like yeah it has its own style to it where you see all these people going through the same like snake formation um and but it's like all over the map and it gets more as the more detailed it gets like the crazier the different formations of um the the snake gets of people and so yeah because of that it um it had like a pretty cool like look to it and he throw on top of that like um like i mean i'm I'm guessing maybe lemmings got to this point at some point but you know just the whole battle aspect with the others and mm -hmm. like seeing that's like this gangs in new york style of like just groups <laughs> running at each other and just duking it out with lightsabers uh yeah it had that like that had its own like appeal to it so like a part of me was like well if you're gonna do this like yeah make it one look cool and add some new shit to it and it seems like this one has all of that and so i'm sure it's like it's a game that's not necessarily on my radar but like i'm sure if i hear more about it and people are like actually like don't sleep on it it's like a very interesting puzzle game but then has a lot of cool like mechanics to it um that you wouldn't see in other games um yeah that could be something that might pull me in later and i know there's this they 
one of the things that they, you know, marketed was the um the fact that you can build your own courses. So mm-hmm. that's like a whole nother level of um interest because you know people will come up with their own crazy creations um to try to get through and puzzle solve. So with all that said, um it looks like a game that has definitely some potential and hopefully people will see people give it a shot. I believe it was by the people who made Tetris effect. So yeah. they seem to know what they're doing as far as like puzzle games go. And yeah. and especially Tetris effect being mainly known not only for its gameplay, but for its presentation with the sound and, you know, just the visual design. Um, it seems like they've done that in this game. And so, yeah, they could probably get some cool stuff going on from that from that aspect they're definitely putting their creative chops on display with humanity so i'm looking forward to the the different impressions that i'm going to see from people that are playing it and i'm also looking forward to seeing what the critical reception is going to be like uh this next game is one that we've seen a couple times in the past but this time we got ourselves a firm release date and another little surprise this game being chia uh this one is where you're you're on the islands uh, I believe you can transform into various animals. In the trailer, we saw the character turn into a dolphin and then turn into a parrot. So that gives you that dichotomy of being a person on land, uh, a fish in the water, and then a fish out of water as a bird. So, yeah, we got a firm release date. It's coming out March 21st. And as an added bonus, it's going to be available on the PlayStation Plus Extra and Premium tiers. So there you go. People looking for their day one releases. <laughs> you got one. It begins. So yes. Uh I mean, we've seen it before. I can't, I don't really know what to make of it. I mean, it's a very peaceful looking game. It has a very colorful and bright and interesting art style. It's got this island motif going on that is, you know, it's it's a very positive and bright game. Like I said, I can't think too much about it. The It's got some Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild kind of stuff going on where you're jumping off of cliffs and having your, your cloth hang glider. Hopefully little kids don't get any ideas. People worry about little kids gambling with loot boxes. They don't worry about little kids jumping off cliffs with t-shirts, but whatever. So, <laughs> yeah. AMC, what did you think of Chia? And is this something that you think that you're going to give a college try to? Um, I mean, not necessarily, um, but it looks like a good game. It looks like a fun game. Um, awesome that it is coming to PS Plus because, as I said, I, I, what I love about these services is it gets a game that people might look over to give it a shot. Like we saw that with with Stray. I'm sure a lot of people were excited about the proposition of Stray, but who knows how many people would have actually gone out and played it. And the fact that it was available on PS Plus Essential or whatever it is, whatever those tiers are, premium. Um, a lot of people get like played it and it ended up being like one of those like like darlings as far as like games that like people, you know, didn't have a ton of expectations for, but like visually just looked like something that would be something that would be nice to try out and play. And so you get people to get their hands on it. And next thing you know, everybody's talking about Stray and it gets its moment in the sun. And so yeah, like I'd hope with this game. Um, especially the fact that like it's like kind of like in honor of um was it New Caledonia? Um New yeah. Caledonia. Well, uh but yeah, they're you New, know New Caledonia. New Caledonia, like there's a there's an affinity for this place and they want people to know about it. And so it'll be great to get this into more people's hands so that, you know, if the game is good, the word gets out and then more people give it a shot. Um and the game does look like it has like 
it does look like it has an interesting environment um some cool gameplay mechanics with being able to become like the different animals and use that for maybe traversal or i don't know accomplishing missions and we haven't really seen how the mission structure works in that game if there is one but um yeah like uh there's a lot of gameplay elements there that look interesting in a world that looks cool and um uh and it's not it's not steeped in where's my sword Mm-hmm. Ooh, I need to fuck up with it. Like, where's, just, where's the best weapon? Yeah, it's not like it's not about that life, and so that's why I said because of that. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of people who are like, ah, I'm not. That's a this is a hard pass, but because of the fact that they've lowered the barrier to entry, I think more people will give it a shot. And hopefully, if it's a good game, that means the word will get out. And yeah, so this game looks fun. Not necessarily on my radar, but I mean, I'll I'll listen to hear what people have to say about it, and then maybe. It will get on my radar from there. Yeah, it's very cute. Reminds me of Kenna Bridge of Spirits. It has some amazing lighting effects. Just need to see a bit more and get an idea of what the gameplay loop is before we can really form a, a rounded judgment about what it's putting on the table. Uh, they showed a few more games in the beginning, more VR stuff. And uh, one, they showed Wayfinder, a little bit more of their multiplayer action RPG. They showed off some Naruto by Boruto Ultimate Ninja Storm connections. <laughs> so this collects the Ultimate Ninja Storm series and reconnects them into one story, basically a complete Naruto collection. Uh, I've been interested in these games. Want to see more of them? Want to see? I want to see a proper Naruto. We just just open world RPG style. But we'll see what happens. Hopefully, with the success of connections we can see a bit more of what's going to happen with the naruto franchise and gaming uh, we got another look at goodbye volcano high which is coming to ps5 and ps4 on june 15th it's a coming of age narrative game it's got some some rhythm game elements you're going to be talking to people you're going to be taking road trips you got a, a bird that smokes a cigarette I think yeah, it's a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know much about the game. It doesn't really, it doesn't really speak to me personally. So it's not something that I've really looked into. However, there are people who are very excited about it, and I'm excited about that for them. Might be, might be on that games for impact. If it, uh-huh. <laughs> it, it, it hasn't come out yet. I feel like we've been hearing about it for a long time, but it hasn't gotten an official release. Not even on PC. Okay. Uh, I, I'm I'm not aware at all. This is like uh, I'm sure I'd seen this game in the past, but I did not remember it at all. Uh, we saw another VR game by the name of Green Hell, which I can't really tell you much about because I couldn't really discern <laughs> what was going on or why in that game. Uh, another VR title by the name of Foglands, and yeah, Foglands. See, this is a haunted first-person shooter showing off combat against skeletons, spiders, and more. Uh, they got a look at VR survival game Green Hell. It showed the player creating tents, bows, and other tools to survive in a harsh rainforest environment. I'm always a fan of survival games and building stuff and just trying to figure out what's going on in the world and how to survive it, eventually becoming the master of that domain. So perhaps this might be one of those games that, that wrangles in the kind of folks like myself who like this kind of stuff into the VR space. Uh, but then we start getting into the 
the more traditional content. Uh, Bungie reveals Destiny 2 Lightfall launch trailer. It's coming out next week. <laughs> Excuse me. We got to see by far the weirdest and most intriguing character I've ever seen in the game. This being that's floating through space with this milky white plume of smoke flowing off of its head like a living afro of unforeseen proportions. Uh, haven't been in the Destiny Very space for a like long time. Afro Samurai, that, that moving yeah. fire fro. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, man, I haven't. You know, haven't played Destiny in a good long time. Don't plan to go back to it anytime soon. However, Bungie has been pouring their heart and souls into it, continuing to make what appears to be very engaging, nuanced content to continue to build out their their online live service multiplayer shooter experience. Beautifully voice acted, excellent cutscenes, AMC, any chance this is going to bring you back into the fold? Nah, I mean... But they put Destiny. Oh, maybe it was this. Oh, they put some Destiny on PS Plus recently, and um, yeah, I, it was one of those things. I was like, "Oh, cool to see it there," but not not for me. I I I I put in my work with Destiny. I enjoyed mm-hmm. it. My I enjoyed my time with it, but it's not a um, it's not a franchise. I feel a draw to go back into as of right now. Even though I hear like. I hear the greatest things of it. The people who enjoy Destiny are absolutely loving it. Especially like, and these are people that I've heard criticize live service games constantly, consistently, but yet they'll also be like, and I'm still playing Destiny. <laughs> and like, I can't wait for this new expansion, blah, 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 blah or the new season. Um, and so, yeah, because of that, um, I know Destiny's in a good place and it looks like what they're adding here seems to be everything that people love. They know what they're doing. They have a hand of the, uh, they have a hand of their community and of the game, and it seems to be like they're firing Bungie, them being Bungie, firing, firing on all cylinders. But yeah, it's just, there's so much going around. There's so much lore in Destiny, so much that like I've just missed, um, you know, knowingly missed. I like fell off of it after Destiny 2. Um, I don't know when, but um, I fell off of whatever expansion, but I enjoyed it, and I know the people who are playing enjoy it, but it's just, you know, not for me. I got enough going on. I got, as far as multiplayer goes, I got my Overwatch, and then eventually it's going to be Diablo, so I'm, I'm kind of, <sighs> my 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 bucket is full as, as far as that goes. Like, dude, I think I'm going to devour every single word of content in Diablo. Like, I'm actually going to read the, the journals and the logs and the bestiaries and just get the most well-rounded understanding of Sanctuary that I possibly can. Yes. And be on the lookout for that open beta coming next month. A-Dub is going to do his best to not dive in because I want to get in on that full release on day one and just go ham. Uh, another game that they showed off, more Resident Evil footage, and they've also confirmed the return of Mercenaries mode. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we see your boy Leon just, I mean, Ken, do you have a vivid memory of what the original Resident Evil 4 was like? Because I'm seeing your man Leon just in the most capable, badass iteration that I have ever seen him in in my entire life. This dude is moving and shooting. Axes are coming at him. He he doesn't have to shoot him out the air. He can just duck underneath them. He's roundhouse kicking zombies. He's oh, man. He's having knife fights, just going blow for blow, Sekiro style. <laughs> oh man, still still got the escort misses in there. Haven't seen anybody. 
complain about that. Uh, I shouldn't have to watch a, a stupid AI companion, chat GPT companion. <laughs> but yeah, man, it, it looks great. Uh, man, I'm sure people are going to love it. It's one of, it's probably the most renowned Resident Evil 4. It's also the, not so much the originator in, in more that it's the game that popularized the over-the-shoulder third-person shooting mechanic that became a point of concern for many people <laughs> when Dead Space and God of War started doing it and Last of Us and all that. Every game is the same. <laughs> I can't I can't see the screen. Remember when people, oh, I can't see the screen. Okay. <laughs> I can't react. But yeah, man. Resident Evil 4 is back in a big way. It looks outstanding. It's as far as I can tell, the gameplay has indeed been modernized. Whenever developers say that they're modernizing something, people immediately have this knee-jerk reaction, like, oh, they're gonna they're gonna make it woke, they're gonna take stuff out, they're gonna do this and that. <laughs> no, they they made it better because by modern standards, we've come quite a long way since Resident Evil 4 came out. So there's a lot of things that we take for granted that we enjoy in games now that can be added to these older games to make them not only fresh and new but also fluid and just more more built out nuance i can't the word escapes me at the moment but resident evil 4 with its modernized gameplay looks like it is firing on all cylinders while i personally won't be getting into it as much as i did like Resident Evil 4, I much more prefer Resident Evil 2 and 3. However, I do I do know a guy who is real big in horror movies, horror video games. Like he's run through the Resident the most recent Resident Evil 4. He's run through that multiple times, done it on the highest difficulty levels. It's always excited to do it. And I'm looking forward to getting his impressions about what this game is. Hey, hey Dub might might spring a surprise gift on him. He's working real hard on his L sets. Maybe he he needs a little pick me up, a little boost. Because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, you know, friends get friends games. Good friends get friends games. Yeah, not, and not so, just not just let them borrow it. Yeah. <laughs> like like no, nah, this is yours. Yeah. You enjoy that. And let me know how you enjoy that. <laughs> and see, how did you feel about the Resident Evil 4 trailer? I know you're you're not the biggest horror fan, but yeah. I always like to get your opinion about horror games and see if maybe I'm still I'm still waiting for the one that's like you know what, hey Dub, I'm not too into horror, but I loved it. Yeah, I mean, from everything I hear, it's, it's going to be Dead Space. It's just a matter of carving out the time to play because all I'm hearing is great things. People who are like trying to say like you know people who were down on this dead space remake who are basically saying like you need to go back and play the original so you mm -hmm. know so you can know what the game is really like before you play this one <laughs> then like hearing them actually like it's like you don't get this often but people actually you know changing their opinion after experiencing a product and being like you know what this is so good it might be the definitive version to play the game in fact that, i think the remake of dead space scored higher than the original yeah so um I we're in what well, however people feel about the remakes, we are in, I will say, a remake seemingly renaissance as far as mm -hmm. these Resident Evil games, people just absolutely loving them. Um, like not hearing any bad like I'm sure there are some bad things, but not really hearing about it. The focus has been majority positive, like people just one revisiting these places and not in a way that feels cheap 
is I guess the best way to put it when it comes to these remakes. Um, and so yeah, uh, Dead Space doing really well as we just discussed in NPD, and just based on how the other Resident Evil remakes have done, I imagine this one will be awesome. And yeah, this would just now set up. Will they or will they or will they or won't they with Resident Evil Five <laughs> uh, or Six? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, Six is the one. Uh, five. Six, be- can you imagine Resident Evil Six remake PSVR Two punching the boulder? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it'll people be people putting holes in their TV. It'll be interesting with Five because Five is the one because you know as, as we discussed with other games where people are like, oh, they. They they woke washed it. Will they will they woke wash five, <laughs> or will that be? Will you be? Because that was the one with the 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 zombie Africans. The African zombie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, it's a white man. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see because you know if they do that, that will be the first thing the the anti woke people will be looking for to see if it was any in any way woke washed. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see if they even bother touching that game. Um, but yeah, now now we're starting to get into the uh, the will they won't they territory. Because of the now, do you do you think the same people who deride like the Lord of the Rings TV series for having black people in it are gonna come over to Resident Evil if it gets woke washed? <laughs> and, <laughs> and we're, that's that's a trademark of control issues where we made woke wash. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. Do you think those same people, if they if they change Resident Evil Five in that manner, are going to come over like, "Oh, it's not accurate"? <laughs> <laughs> you know it. You know it. There's going to be a ton of articles about it. <laughs> like, uh, ha- has it gone too far? Yeah. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. But the important thing is Resident Evil Four is next up. That's what, what we're going to focus on. It looks fantastic. Yes. I'm looking forward to people being able to enjoy one of their favorite games with a a modern coat of varnish, completely overhauled, restomited, if you will, looking like the classic on the outside, running like a modern on the inside. And you know, I think this is a good time to give Capcom their credit and their flowers for basically popularizing the remake i mean they did it this shit they, you guys made it an original they made it a remix they took they took what was the remaster and the re-release and the remake and they just they took it to a whole nother level and now we're at a point where other developers are held to a higher standard we ended up getting the final fantasy 7 remake that completely blew the doors off of people's expectations both visually and gameplay wise although they are taking their time making these parts which I appreciate. It, they're killing it, you know. Uh, AMC, AMC, you have Final Fantasy VII remaking your background. Yeah, yeah, I haven't, I haven't touched it, but yeah, I'm still uh, thinking about it. Yeah, it's just a, uh, it's a matter of time. It's just a, uh, you know, you know how it goes. It's just a lot of games. I got it like way after it like launched, and it was, it was perfect because I was like, all right, I got my PS5. They got the PS5 update, so I can play it with that, mm-hmm. and then. uh and then you know, just everything came out, and now we're in 2023. So good luck. <laughs> yes, and speaking of time, it's only a matter of time until we finally get our hands on Baldur's Gate three, three, yeah. three. Yes, yeah, only state of coming. play. Yeah, last year we got a we got a release date. It, it was for August, 
And I was excited about it. And of course, people came over, busting my bubble, raining on my parade, and pissing in my Cheerios. Like, it's just on PC. It's going to come to consoles later. You still got to wait. And I was like, well, you don't really know that. <laughs> You're just saying that. And Sony officially put that argument to bed because Baldur's Gate 3 will be arriving on PlayStation 5 and PC August 31st. Nothing but a almost you know what we've been thinking that it's only two months it's actually almost a full three months after diablo 4 comes out so okay. i think i think that's plenty of time to do what we gotta do in diablo <laughs> yeah. just get it all out of our system like that's gonna be the longest honeymoon period i've ever had with a game and jump right into Baldur's gate three uh there was some chatter online because people were a little confused as to why it was only given a release date for PS5 and PC. Uh, originally, folks were jumping to conclusions. It got to it got to another point in gaming journalism that I'm not entirely a fan of, where they'll just go online and say stuff. Not so much to be like, oh well, this this is what's happening. It's more to try to hoax additional information out of the developer and try to get them to say things that they don't want to officially state at a given time. So initially people were saying like, oh yeah, there's probably some kind of some kind of exclusivity deal with PS5 there. This is all part of the what they were saying in the acquisition, PlayStation stonewalling the Xbox. And mm -hmm. luckily developers over at Larian were very quick to come in and just squash all that nonsense. Yes, an Xbox version has been in development. Unfortunately, they're experiencing technical issues. And once they get over those hurdles, they will confirm an Xbox release date. If those issues happen to persist, it's possible that the Xbox version could be delayed. But we got a long way to go to August. And they're, it's Larry. Like, they make two of the finest RPGs ever crafted by human hands. Baldur's Gate 3 looks to continue that tradition and take it to the next level. So... I have full faith in them. I'm sure by the time we get to August and it's time for people to do their preloads and start watching that clock and taking your days off work, that you're going to be looking at an Xbox version as well. So I think people need to cool their jets until they have something to warm them up about. However, AMC, with Baldur's Gate 3 coming August 31st, how does this affect your plans for the second half of 2023? Oh, man. Well... Knowing that we just got an extra month, that just like stepped it up <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, I can't wait. This game, I've you know, I've had my eye on, you know, with the uh, with their track record with Divinity. Now, I'm not sure about Divinity too, mm -hmm. but it was always a you got it on PC and you wait for the port yeah. <laughs> with the Divinity games. And, and so you that, get was, that definitive edition. <laughs> yeah, and so that was always I, I always assumed that that was how they were going to handle Baldur's Gate. You get it on PC and you wait for the console port. But to be doing both um at the same time that's awesome. That one it shows that they're recognizing that uh they're recognizing that the console sales are just as important as the PC. They, mm -hmm. they don't have to just solely focus on PC. Um, they recognize the success of the console ports um, to the fact that they want to bring it in earlier. And it's the fact that like we can get these style of games now um, regularly on consoles. Like I feel like these mm -hmm. are the, the style of games that like people would just say back in the day, kind of like the real time strategies, like, Oh, you can't do that on console. It'll never work. Yeah. Yeah. Yada. Yeah. Here we are. We're seeing more real time strategy games come to console. Um, and now, yeah, now we're seeing 
it released on the same day as the PC release on PlayStation. So uh, I'm glad about that. That hopefully that's a good sign moving forward with Larian and any other project that they do. They'll they'll prioritize console with PC alongside PC as opposed to focusing solely on PC first and then console. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also just shows their experience as a developer to now feel that they can you know develop a game for multiple consoles at the same time. Um, uh, and yeah, they they ha- they have their. If you look at the resume, it's you know. It's untouchable. Even though they're working with a franchise as big as Boulder Boulder's Gates, they still Boulder's feel like they, yeah, they they still feel like um, you know, that that little engine that could that that studio that was because they, they 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 kickstarted uh, Divinity, right? Divinity one and two, yeah. Yeah, so they still seem like the little engine that could, even though they're now getting their hands on you know greater properties that have been around for a long time. They're the um, big engine that does now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, yeah they're getting that they're getting that money i'm sure they're getting that publisher money now um and yeah they're they're killing it and i'm i'm happy for them and yeah i'm since i skipped divinity 2 i'm i know you said that they're it, from the looks of it it looks like they may have not have transferred everything that they did necessarily in divinity 2 to Baldur's gate 3 mm-hmm. but i imagine that at least the know-how and everything that went into making no the divinity the divinity games great to bring all of that into Baldur's gate and so yeah um i am super excited to eventually play this game i am not excited about the the level of detail that is going to be in this game because that was one thing with Uh, divinity there is just so much going on in that game and like you they reward you for it but you want to explore everything in that world because there's a payoff to it, but there is just so much content in their games. <laughs> I mean, when even the animals have writing and voice acting, if you have the right perk, you know that there's there's a whole lot of shit to discover. Dude, there were quests in Divinity 2 that I just had no idea how to complete. Went online, check, and it's like, okay, you gotta go in the kitchen. You gotta use this particular skill so you can detect this thing that's hidden under a floorboard, which proves that the chef was the dude who murdered somebody. Then you gotta report it to the <laughs> captain. <laughs> and I was like, dang, it's just, it's, it's insane. But that, that's the kind of insanity I live for. I love games that are complex, that have just a several layers of systems all working together, feeding off of one another in concert in order to yield this dynamic result where every experience is going to be different for every player, even though you're going through these situations that are written and scripted. So there's going to be different outcomes. There's going to be different solutions. You're going to have the the 20-sided die. <laughs> you're going to be taking your, your saving throws and your rolls. You're going to be throwing people off the top of buildings. <laughs> <laughs> did you see that part? Yeah, yeah, sure? yeah. <laughs> When I saw that, it was like, God damn, this is going to be well, yeah, Baldur's Gate 3, it's been in early access for a number of years now. So if you're curious about what it looks like and what it's about, you can always hop on over to Google, do yourself a quick search, find all the gameplay videos, impressions, write-ups, and updates from the developer that you could possibly imagine because they've been very open and transparent about the process of making this game the best that it can be. I'm extremely excited for it. We'll be there day one. Uh, speaking of, we're going back to... Back to your boys over at Capcom, your boys and your ladies, your men and your girls. They revealed three new characters for Street Fighter VI, those characters being Zangief, who we all should know and love as the 
the Russian just burly wrestling man throwing everybody around, catching your kicks, flipping you, tossing you, slamming you, breaking your back, spinning you. <laughs> yeah, Zangief is awesome. Uh, we got introduced to a brand new character by the name of Lily. Uh, I don't know what country or region that she reigns from. I didn't bother to look into it, but she's definitely from somewhere. <laughs> and she's a very interesting, a very young character. Uh, she fights with a couple of wooden weapons in her hands, giving her some extra reach. She has a very cute aesthetic about her, even in her, her super move, where everything's going fine until it's time for her to come down from the air where she loses her, loses her body control and just finishes the enemy with the random collapse of her body weight. <laughs> so I thought that was adorable. And then last but not least, we got a return of an oldie, but a goodie, a classic, a crowd favorite. We got the return of Cammy showing up looking like uh, an homage to Android 18. She has ditched the, the, the thong leotard and instead is favored yoga pants and a jacket with her union Jack, with her Union Jack flag on the back. Uh, she looks as brutal and deadly as ever while also being carefree and, and relaxed. Uh, again, you know, we tried with Street Fighter V last year, and as much as I wanted to get into that and get good at it, we bought joysticks for it. Just couldn't do it. Don't have the dexterity. Think I'm getting old. Think I'm losing a step AMC. I, I need thinking man's games. I can't have. I can't have reacting man's games anymore, except for Overwatch. I'll shoot you in your face. But <laughs> so far as Street Fighter, I think the game has left me behind. However, I'm very much in love with the character designs. I still love and appreciate the game. I mean, it was the OGs of the fighting game universe and it's still around to this day giving people what they want and what they need and that very just technical just oh man it's it's so technical i mean, i want to see what your man what your man waxel thinks about street fighter 6 if he's still playing so maybe we'll look on that maybe we'll get a guest interview or something probably not but amc how did you feel about the new characters for street fighter 6 um the big one for me it was uh i mean all the characters looked interesting but zangief um it had that you know i haven't i guess i haven't really seen zangief in a minute but like they they've really like leaned into the wrestler aspect of him and it reminded me of like that solomon grundy like chaining like moves yeah. like or slams because like he, he's grabbing so him, he's tossing him he's slamming him he's grabbing him from there picking them up slam them again uh so you're, like, you're chaining all these all these slam attacks which is fun like even the character went to kick him he caught the kick picked him up slammed him on the ground he, he yeah. literally body slammed the character at one point so it's like it's like straight up like wrestling action but in the street fighter um the street fighter like um presentation and it's it's awesome because i i want to see that zangif like at its peak in like say in uh an evo, evo situation um which i believe they announced that uh the winner of the pro tournament will get um one million dollars uh for street Ooh. fighters so that's awesome get, get paid you see it was a daigo or whatever you see him get paid and the beast coming back <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um but yeah that that zangief um 
reveal was absolutely awesome. Gave me vibes of Solomon Grundy and, and then some. I'm as I've mentioned in previous episodes, I am knee deep in wrestling right now, professional wrestling. So that's right. <laughs> seeing 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 that love generated through Zangief, um, you know, just gives all the points from the AMC, gets all the points from the AMC. So I am I am super excited to just not play Street Fighter, but to watch it because that is something that we do. We don't necessarily get in. We haven't gotten into a fighting game in a minute, but we'll still check out Evo when when the time comes. Check out that final round, see what's going on. Um, and so, yeah, I can't wait to see this one headlining an event in the future. I mean, if I'm going to get into a fighting game, I'm patiently awaiting the announcement or reveal of whatever Neverwinter Nights is working on because hopefully it's Injustice 3. Rumors say that it's a Marvel fighting game. Who knows? But I love their fighting system. That's something that jives more with the way my mind works and the way that I react to stuff. Insofar as Street Fighter, when you're talking about Zangief, like doing all these moves and chaining into all of it, not only is it just so technical and there's a response to everything that the enemy throws at you, the transitions between all the animations and the position of his body are almost flawlessly fluid. It's it's not like you push a button and like he's facing one way and then he faces another way and then he does an animation like it's a it's a can thing. It's like you push the button and he just does something from whatever position he's in and it, it flows naturally as if you're watching two people fighting so that was highly impressive for me uh speaking of injustice we're getting to the last game here that was displayed and this also falls in the dc universe that being rocksteady's extended look at suicide squad kill the justice league 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 yes so we finally get to see a lot more gameplay of this title. Uh, the demo starts off, of course, we're doing some cutscene action. You got the Suicide Squad talking shit to the Flash. The Flash under the control of Brainiac is just enacting the plan. They're, they're trying to kidnap Lex Luthor. Suicide Squad isn't having it. And then the action gets going. Now we see all four characters using their different variations of their traversal mechanics and moving their way through Gotham in their, their unique ways, unloading just hails of bullets on anything in their paths and then engaging in close quarters with their unique kind of melee, melee combat. You know, Harley's running around. She's part wheeling, grapple hooking off of her drone and getting down on the ground. Popping people, beating them with the baseball bat. You got King Shark swimming through the air, which <laughs> I never would have never would have guessed for anything. Like that's an awesome mechanic. Doing his ground slams, behaving very much like the tank kind of Hulk style character, while he also uses firearms in his offense. He's also the character who leans more heavily on the melee. So he'll run in, he'll just ground and pound an enemy, uppercut him, knock him in the air, area attacks, all the like. You, know, you get your man Captain Boomerang. He's 
moving through the air in his unique fashion by tossing his boomerang and using the speed force to teleport over to it, uh, using his firearms to pick off people from a distance, and then putting his boomerang in action, doing his group attacks, taking people out. And we also have Deadshot flying through the air with a jetpack, unleashing his arsenal of weaponry, pulling out the sniper rifle, popping off headshots, blowing shit up, and knocking down helicopters, all kinds of stuff. So, we get into an additional deep dive with the game that goes more into the systems at play and a bit more of the nuance between the different characters while they all kind of move through the world in a generally uniform fashion where it's all right we're flying and moving and jumping around and we get on the ground they all have a unique way of doing it they have a unique way of gauging engaging with enemies like captain boomerang is sliding and people are jumping head first off of off of the side of buildings it's you know it looked a lot cooler to me the second time i watched it than the first time initially i wasn't too into it i respected what was going on there's obviously a great amount of detail and just content that's poured into this game there's action everywhere you turn there's something happening something to engage with some kind of objective to follow and you got all your homies moving in the world with you also taking on things in their own unique manners but then it there's just something about the way it looks like there's a certain level of polish and quality to it and once you start getting into the weaponry as well as the gear so we know this is a live service game and the way that it's driven <laughs> the way that it's driven is that you know you're going through you're leveling up but you get loot <laughs> yes so immediately you got loot you got a dub's attention uh not only do you get different weapons but you're gonna have different weapon manufacturers and you're going to have different parts by which you can upgrade your weapons and tailor them more to your play style. You have different weapon categories, such as pistols, shotguns, rifles, miniguns, sniper rifles. And you're also going to have different kinds of gear, but you're not going to be limited to just putting on the gear that has the best stats. You're going to be able to transmogrify. And if you want a particular look, you can keep that, but then also have the stats of the gear that is the best fit for the situation uh weapons are also going to have status effects so uh, we were we were introduced to kind of a, a status effect based on bane where you're going to have just green gas popping out of enemies as you're destroying them and that's supposed to buff you and you're going to hear certain audio clips in the the bane favor that are going to you know happen as you're doing all the action amc when you finally got to see this deep dive into what's going on with Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, how did you feel? Um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because like the the I was like set up for it to be a live service game because of all the rumblings with um, I guess there was like a screenshot. I don't know if it was leaked or not, but then people saw like something. They're like, Ugh. "I'm getting live service vibes from this." Well, <laughs> it's a live service game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then so yeah, to like see all of it to see like kind of like the announcement uh you know the, the headlines uh require an internet connection to play the game even in single even in single player um seeing that's gonna have a battle pass yada yada but none of that you know has really anything to do with gameplay we're gonna discuss the gameplay a dub mm -hmm. and yeah i mean 
this is what I say. This is what I'll say. Playing Overwatch, like, do I prefer single player? Yes, I prefer single player. Absolutely. This idea that because a game has is can be played in multiplayer doesn't necessarily mean that then now it's a game that I can't play because I prefer single player or don't um, want to play. Yeah, or don't want to play. And like, you know, Overwatch, Overwatch, it's you know, it's different because it's you know a squad based shooter, but um, or hero shooter, I'd say, but like having the most fun multiplayer experience playing with a dub e single we got the chat now <laughs> so it's time to hook up and play see who's available um and yeah it's just overwatch but overwatch one same thing love playing that diablo love playing with a dub on that just so many great i mean girlfriend games is all about multiplayer experiences so mm-hmm. the people who poo poo's multiplayer because they have you know and if it, they have a leaning towards single player experiences, I do feel like they miss out on certain certain things, or they overlook the fact that people do have like, if somebody has somebody to play with a game that they're both interested in, it can infinitely increase the enjoyment of a game, despite like it requiring an internet connection and possibly having a battle pass or whatever. Um, because what it comes down to is the gameplay and like i mean people people like to pretend that gameplay is king but then when a game comes out and then they see like oh it, it, i have to have an interconnect internet connection well then i'm not all for that oh, or a game dialogue. Has, yeah or the game has you know you can buy cosmetics oh well, i can't play that like things that have nothing to do with gameplay and yet people say are all about gameplay like cosmetics shouldn't have any impact on gameplay and yet people make it all about that um you could argue maybe the system of rewards is its own way of gameplay and maybe that's where like people might get upset because they won't have access to certain cosmetics but if you just look at the the raw the purest form of gameplay which is hands and the sticks in the hand you're moving through the world you're figuring out how to take down things that is pure gameplay and so from that perspective thinking about that and then knowing that you could be rolling rolling through this environment with the homies uh up to four people they all have their their own they all have traversal their own style of traversal which is cool you know um Holly Quinn with the swing, um, Deadshot with the hover pack, yada, yada, yada. Um, and then even like their attack types and what roles they play within the action. I mean, it, ha- it gives it a great feel. And that was like a thing. Like I think with Redfall, there was even an initial like when Redfall was, you know, it was announced that it was going to have an always online connectivity. Um, there was initial like, oh man. But then you see the game and it's like, oh wait, wait a second. It has its own feel. And so I like I feel like this game is kind of getting, you know, undue negativity because it's a a property, a license, and that being like DC. Um, and there's kind of just this, you know, this backlash to superhero properties making their way into video games, even though like the two audiences completely overlap and so there's no reason why there wouldn't be more of this <laughs> but i almost feel like because there's you know it's connected to you know a dc property much like a marvel property you then add that in and it's like oh and it's and it's live service oh this is a cheap experience blah 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 but um i think if this was its own thing if this was destiny people wouldn't be you know unfairly criticizing it from that perspective and so yeah uh, if you just look at it from just a 
pure if you take out all the fact that it's a marvel game or that's a dc game and it has harley quinn yada yada and just look at it from a pure gameplay standpoint it looks like a fun game and i think the people who get into it are going to enjoy it um and hopefully yeah hopefully as long as it runs well i think that's the most important thing because that was seemingly that was all the way up until the launch of gotham knights like people people were kind of like hesitant about the multiplayer, but they were going to give it a shot. And then once it was announced that like it was running at 30 frames, that's when people started to like really be like, oh, I'm, I'm off of this game now. Um, they did nitpick the 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 non-Batman-ness of it. They're, all of a sudden now they only wanted to play as Batman when mm-hmm. they were like off of it when it came to Arkham Knight. Um, but yeah, uh, I think hopefully this game, if it runs smooth, it will play well. And then that's what will then be the um the story to come out from the launch as opposed to you know this initial backlash to the fact that it's you know a live service game with a battle pass and yada 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 uh and so yeah the game looked fun i like that every character is kind of different i do like that it is kind of a shooter so it does make it different from you know gotham nice because now now that i'm seeing the two they do kind of give me similar vibes but because of the fact that it is um more shooter focused it does give it a different gameplay feel from that perspective gotham knights is more more akin to the arkham style of games from you know from a melee standpoint not necessarily from a metroidvania standpoint and this is now more of like a you know a third person shooter but with like like squad base with four people and so yeah i'm 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 just hoping that the game does play well because then really then the only thing people can really complain about is the fact that it has a battle pass and that yeah. it's always online but um i think once if people start having fun with it that will then be the narrative that will kind of take over post-launch and so we'll just have to deal with it it's unfortunate like i've been like more and more of the camp you know we've seen with like the direct the nintendo direct with them you know shadow dropping uh metroid uh prime and then we saw with microsoft shadow dropping hi-fi rush it's like the way i think we're learning that the community can't handle you know the announcement like uh cycle they can't (laughs) they can't handle the development process yeah yeah like it's yeah it's like when they hear about a game Basically, it's a countdown. And the thing is, normally in the past, you announce a game, and as information comes out, you get more excited for the game. Mm-hmm. But, we're, but like it seems like what's happening now is a game gets announced, and as more details come out, they find more reasons to poke holes in it, or find they find more reasons of justifications for why they will not buy the game. And Analyzing so and screenshots and running the video frame by frame. Like, Wait a minute. What's this? Changed. This was this wasn't in the initial launch or this there was something in it that I'm no longer seeing what has changed with the game. Um, people tried to hate on the Dead Space remake because they changed the bathroom sign to being like the bathrooms don't say men and women anymore. They're they're unisex bathrooms. They will quash it. Basically. Um so yeah, um I'm so from that perspective, I am happy that like this game oh no, I'm I'm happy that we've seen some more shadow drops and I almost kind of hope that like not necessarily I mean you can't just shadow drop, especially the big bunch of games, because you might get yeah. sued over that shit if it doesn't sell well. But yeah, it's unfortunate. You gotta give investors time to move their money around. Yeah. But it is unfortunate that like the community is making it really hard to, you know, announce a game a year or two out and build hype for it because it seems like all it is is people trying to, you know, tear a game apart 
as it gets closer to launch and it's unfortunate i'm trying to influence public opinion to make people not like it yeah <laughs> yeah exactly so it's like it's unfortunate we can't have we can't have things we can't have good things because people don't know how to handle them but um yeah uh it's unfortunate because we're seeing it now with suicide squad it was announced people were kind of people were interested and then now people have just tried to slowly find reasons as to why they will not be getting suicide squad and it's it's really unfortunate in this situation i think i think you got to the core of the issue when you spoke of the the one thing that unifies gotham knights and suicide squad which is the fact that neither of them are batman games and i think that's at the core of why these games have been met with immediate and continuous negativity because Suicide Squad was being hated on before anybody ever found out it had a battle pass, before anybody ever found out that it was live service. It was like, oh, Suicide Squad game. Oh, why would they do that? I want Batman. Oh, Gotham Knights game. How do you have a Gotham game without Batman in it? it just immediate. Like it, they, they voice the core of their derision at the outset and from there it's that countdown it's that screenshot hunt for every other possible thing to pile on to that core reason to make to make the hate seem rational like mm -hmm. oh well it was just a bad game i could tell from the beginning it's like no you just didn't like it because it was batman and then you just sat there and tried to find other reasons to justify why you didn't like it because it wasn't a batman game you didn't you didn't want to give it a chance you didn't want to see what it was going to be about you didn't want to see how it turned out and then you know on the usually strong chance that these games turn out good you cling to it still it's like well it's still not a batman game still oh well the reviews were paid for oh well they did this they did that it's dishonest you can't trust reviews but then when the review is bad see i told you the game was bad see i was right i called it then what and then people playing the game no it's actually pretty good well it got a 60 automatic <laughs> so it's like oh you believe in reviews now you yeah. you strongly adhere to the numbers that a handful of random people put on it to tell you what to think but then when they put a high number on it and you don't like something then they they don't know they don't know how to play games they're playing on journalist mode <laughs> all that bullshit so yeah. hopefully hopefully suicide squad wins people over hopefully i mean it's rock steady there's nothing to hope for the gameplay is gonna be there the content the level of detail the nuance the depth it's all gonna be there that's what they do so it's kind of foolish to write this game off just because it's live service and not batman give it a chance to stand on its own two feet and let's see what it is when it's ready instead of trying to determine what it is before it's ready however some people they just lack patience. Some people just hard to please. We know that. We talk about it all the time. We talk about it every week. We got troll of the week. 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 Yes. So today's trolls of the week are coming sideways at the Sony state of play, as you possibly predicted, as you more than likely expected. Because they always do it. It's never enough. It's never good. First troll says, that could have been an email. Next troll says, I was thoroughly impressed by how much Sony failed to impress me. 
Next troll says, about 90 plus percent of that was terrible. They even managed to make Baldur's Gate 3 look bad. Yeesh. Um, what were you watching? Baldur's Gate 3 looks phenomenal. Get your eyes checked. In fact, just get a refund on your console. Sell it to your brother. <laughs> Next troll says, not a great showing. This year is looking like a bad year for Sony first party wise. Well, January. It's February. It's February. <laughs> it's February. They just put out what is lauded as probably one of the best VR headsets on the market today. They showed off five games for it, supporting their peripherals. People say they don't do that, mm-hmm. but they do in that. Mm-hmm. And it's and like you said, it's February. <laughs> we still got E3 season coming up. We still got Tokyo Game Show coming up. We still got Gamescom coming up. We still have all the major shows where all the major announcements are made. Because why would somebody make a major announcement in February? <laughs> <laughs> Next troll says, that was a bit disappointing on the whole. Gaming's definitely in a slow patch. It's not a slow patch. It's February. Next show says, crap state of play by Sony. Next one says, wow, this was a terrible event. Should have waited until actually good games were ready to be revealed. Well, this is something that I brought up online. And of course, you know, people don't really see it my way. But back in the day when E3 was all the rage and all the big companies were there, there generally weren't as many games as there are now to announce and reveal. So these things have to be revealed to the public. They have to be marketed. They have to be sold. The money has to be made back. If you're saving all your announcements for the big shows, then number one, you're not going to have enough time to show everything. Number two, you got to share the stage with the other big guys. So that's part of the reason why the big guys all decided to do their own showcases where they can take up as much time as they want rather than being locked to the limited space and time available at E3. And lastly, there's so many more games now. Like when, so are they just supposed to not announce their VR games? Then you're going to be like, they, they just don't support their peripherals. They sent this game out to die. They don't care. It's an afterthought. But what are they supposed to do? We get more state of plays throughout the year than we get big shows. When the big shows come around, we usually have big directs, big state of plays, big Microsoft showcase. Even Bethesda decided not to do E3 anymore and to instead have their own showcase where they can take all the time they want and present their games the way that they feel is necessary for the public to see them. So, I mean, if a publisher... If a, a third-party publisher backed out, then obviously there's something going on with the constraint of being confined to just that event. So they have more freedom. They have more stuff to show. They can do it on their. They can do it the way they want to do it. They can do it on their own time. This is a good thing. Hey, you may not like all the games. They tell you what's going to be in the state of play beforehand, so you can tune in or tune out to your leisure. So let's not pretend as if you know they hyped it up or that there's any kind of expectation that something big was to be revealed they tell so we knew what to expect what's your problem next show says man they really love proving that no one needs a ps5 
fastest selling Sony console, constantly out of stock. Only now it finally is in stock. Uh, just unforeseen levels of success for the PlayStation brand under the leadership of Jim Ryan. Next troll says, Suicide Squad, kill my interest with live services. <laughs> that's my personal favorite. I think that's that in itself is troll of the week. Uh, next troll says, the show was straight up garbage. Only massive shills defend this kind of shit. Yeah, uh, so if, you, if you enjoy anything, you're a shill. That's a, you're a shill. You're, yeah. you're paid, you're fake, you're inauthentic, you're wrong. Only my opinion is the right one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This that troll would probably agree with the final troll who says that was a solid one out of ten. <laughs> so we know who's review bombing games on Metacritic. Somebody get that guy banned. Oh man, I, I don't say man. It's what what more do you expect? PSVR two just came out. You think they're gonna be swinging for the fences with huge AAA titles right out the gate? Give them time. They launched the game with Horizon Call of the Mountain right right on day one. GT7 VR support day one. No Man's Sky. We'll talk about that a little later. Get PSVR2 support pretty soon. The stuff is coming. What happened to the patience and the understanding in, in the gaming community? It's just this race to the bottom, that countdown of like, how much negativity can we squeeze in before they shut us all up for like, two weeks until we could find something negative about the thing that they shut us up with so that we could tear that down too. I mean, why is it this, this ongoing smear campaign of these companies that are bringing so many new and innovative products to market to try to win over consumers and get our dollars? Like, If you don't like something, fine. There's going to be another show with more stuff that you're going to like. We already know Spider-Man 2 is coming. The rest of the year is starting to fill out one big game at a time. Baldur's Gate 3 in August. Like, it's, everything's coming. Why? I, uh, it's, it's mystifying. I'm wasting too much brain power on this. AMC, how do you feel about all this nonsense? Yeah, I mean, I think it's dumb. Um, we already talked about how stacked this year is. We you know we got Baldur's Gate coming. We got... We just had Dead Space. We had Forspoken. Um, Hi-Fi Rush out of nowhere. Hi-Fi Rush, Hogwarts Legacy, Metroid Prime remake. I guess you're getting all types of games right now. <laughs> um, and there's there's just still more to come. Atomic Rush just came out. Uh, so to act like this year is like already like there's nothing out. Like you, we just named about like five games that you could be playing at at right now at the moment, and like all games that like scored generally well. Um, so yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I think it's a bunch of like a bunch of the crying. It's oh, a game. It's not even a game that they were excited about because people were already shitting on Suicide Squad. But it's a game uh, live service somehow showing up and then ruining the show for people. Oh, uh, we want it all. We, whenever Sony shows up, all all people want to hear about is first party titles so that they can then tear those games apart. Um, yeah, there's just a lot going on here. They clearly the focus was they spent what like the first half of it on VR, which people always talk about them not supporting their peripherals. So they spent all this time just announcing game after game after game that you could play on PSVR two. So they definitely supported it there from a marketing standpoint. And yeah, and then we we learn about Baldur's Gate, we learn about Suicide Squad and other games that are coming. Um, so yeah, there's uh. I guess 
if you were ex- expecting like a shadow drop or something like that, no, you didn't get that. But here's the thing. Sony announces a state of play. People are going to show up. They'll always bitch about like whatever gets announced. Even if it's a good one, they'll find something wrong with it. But ultimately, Sony announces a state of play. People are clamoring to show up and watch it. And there's gonna be a ton of news on it. As we as we noted, was IGN. They had a, everything announced at at state of play, and then right under that, there's an article. State of play, not interesting at all. And it's like okay, <laughs> so like you got an article for the people who are showing up excited to find out what got announced, and then you got an article for the trolls looking to, to shit on it. So you're you're placating everybody. Um, but ultimately, yeah, it generates content, it generates traffic, and people care. And I'll just remind everybody that my criteria is if I see one game that I would buy, then it was a, a successful event. And that being Boulder's Gate, knowing that they it was a game that was on our interest for like for the year, but we didn't have a, we were, or at least we didn't have a confirmation that it was going to be ported this year. So mm-hmm. it was in our anticipated games, but like, you know, hesitantly anticipated games um and now that i know that's definitely coming out this year it's a game that i know that i could be buying before the end of the year and so it's now just lining up my purchases for the year and so yeah um there was something there for me maybe not something there for everybody but i think i think if people were to take a step back they would say that there is at least one game that they're going to buy that was presented on this state of play and that's what the purposes of these events are yes so all these trolls can go fuck themselves. All right. We are we are well past the two hour mark. So if you have any quick hits, let's hit them right now. <laughs> all right. Well, your boy Shinji Mikami has announced that he is going to be leaving Tango Gameworks after 13 years. This is the studio that he founded. He feels it's going to be left in good hands, which we can see by the reception and success of Hi-Fi Rush. He has not announced what he's going to be doing next or his reasons for leaving. But all we can do is say thank you for all your hard work and creativity. We wish you the best and we'll be there for whatever lies ahead for you. Uh, no Man's Sky, yet another content update. We told you they put that PSVR 2 support out there for you. But, you know, the fractal update also comes with a whole bunch of other additions. You're going to get a robot pet. You're going to get a low altitude skimmer. And, you know, you're going to get all kinds of visual upgrades and performance enhancements. So go check that out on their website if you haven't already. Uh, We talked about the state of play. And also part of the state of play, they detailed the PS Plus games for March, which is incredibly early. (laughs) <laughs> for PS Plus. Uh, so we know that we're getting Chia as part of the extra and the premium tiers. However, for the essential free games, we're going to be getting Battlefield 2042. We're going to be getting Code Vein, and we're going to be getting Minecraft Dungeons, Dungeons, Dungeons. Mm-hmm. AMC, any of those tickle your fancy? Yeah, Minecraft Dungeons for sure. I'll definitely, definitely be getting that game. So looking forward to that. Yeah, I've been keeping an eye on it for a while, always waiting on when I can pull the trigger. Now I know that when March comes around, I'll be downloading that as well as Code Vein. So that is exciting for me. Code Vein being an anime style souls like experience. Uh, I always like the visuals of it. However, watching videos, it really didn't grab me with its gameplay, but it's something that I would want to see 
in my own hands at some point. Obviously, feeling the way that I felt about it, it was a low priority, but since it's going to be on PS Plus, I will give it a good old college try. Yes, sir. AMC, you got anything for him? I got nothing else, A Dub. All right. Well, this is. This is a meaty episode. So I hope you enjoy all the content. Control issues. I will see. This is